This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean. All right, let's roll, baby. It is Friday Eve, and Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis hanging out with you. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Gunner, how what's are you up, doing? my What's up, my brother? How are you? How are you? Everything good? Yes, yes. It's a great day. I had to run out and do a honey-do list for my wife. Um, anytime that she – one of the few times I don't complain about doing a honey-do list for her right. is when she says she's cooking. So I had to run to BJ's and get – a beef chuck roast and some gold with that gold potatoes for, because when she cooks, you know, she makes D guns oversized belly happy. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That is awesome. What's up? Hey, Chris D it has, has settled. She's in uh Portugal, in Portugal. Now she's in Lisbon, uh, Portugal. Yeah. There you go. Made it setting up life here. Now all is sunny and beautiful. Good for you. Good for you, Chris. Yes. Nick nurse hey, is in the house. Yep. Hey, hey, Chris. Um, how many hours are you behind or ahead of us? Okay. I'm curious. I always know. I want to know about different countries and stuff like you. that. I'm you with know. you. What's up, Tyler. What's up, Spanish Philly. What's up, father, Sean. What's up, John mood swing, Bella. What's up, mood Griffin? Swing Bella's back. Jeremy. Yes, John. I did get a haircut. I got them all cut. I was a good boy. I John always notices this, that, that, that's insignificant stuff first. Yeah, I know. It's, I need, I needed one, man. I was, uh, I was wolfing. It was time. It was, I was time. Wolfing. It was, it was bad, man. Uh, what does that go. even mean? Uh, it means it was like, uh, uh, all incredible here. Great weather. Amazing food. Uh, much cheaper than the U S and the peeps okay. are very fresh. All right. Good. I like okay. it. I like it. Yeah, we'll get an update. What's up, Kevin? Uh, yeah, Griffin noticing the, the, the new do. Appreciate it, people. Uh, yeah, happy to be hanging out with you on this Thursday. We're going to get – we're getting the 80s today where we're at. So, yeah, baby. Yeah, boy. Connor will be a happy person, even though his 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 uh, birthday month that he wrote out uh, just came uh, to an end. Uh, yes, yes, we are June 1st. Yes, Thank you. Yes. Five hours ahead. Five, Only five, five hours. So that's yeah. like London. And London is five hours ahead of us. Yes, Mood Swing Bella. She is. He, Gunner is happy. Uh, Mood Swing Bella, I'm sad the month of May is over, but I'm happy because we are surpassing 80 degrees, which I can, which means I can work on this golden tan. That's right. That's I can right. get all even now. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, five hours ahead. Okay, so it's it's uh, it's 5 p.m. where uh, where Chris is. That's cool. A little happy okay. hour. All We're right. giving her some happy hour uh, oh, yeah. uh, show. I like that. I like that. Hey, Chris, um, do you have any uh, family, friends over there, or, or is this just one of these uh, mercenary moves where you're starting all over again um, and just getting acclimated to a new environment, new experiences, thing like things like that? 
I love, I love that about this Christie's stuff. like a world traveler, man. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, Hawaii. You got to be rich to move. You go to Hawaii from Hawaii to Portugal. You got to be, you got deep pockets to do something like that. Maybe unless, unless, you know, and she's a hustler though. She works a lot. So we'll, or, we'll, or unless you on the run from the law, I'm just true. saying, I'm just throwing it out there. That's why we always say you're from an undisclosed location. Derek. Yes. That's why we yes. don't give away too much information. And rightfully so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need we don't need you getting locked up. All right, I, I'm, no, no. And, and no. Uh, you call tone for bail money. That's what I've heard. I don't I don't know that that's exactly you know. What tone, now see what you know what tone would do. Tone was sitting laughing me for a couple of days and then consider it. I'm not saying he would give me the bail money. He would mm-hmm. consider it, mm-hmm. but he would have a good chuckle for a couple of days and tell everybody he knows. Hey, D gun, hey, D guns behind bars. <laughs> 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 wait, wait, he's got a comment here. Gotta let them sweat, Rob. See, that's right. I told you. That's right. You you I need to sweat you. a little. We can't make it easy on you, man. Tone knows. He knows. Yeah. He knows how to get the best out. Tone's like the Nick Nurse taking over, coming in for Joel and B. He knows how to. He knows how to get the best out of you. That's for sure. Uh, that's funny, man. Um, uh, yes. T- so wait, Christy works five jobs. Okay. So she 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 can move wherever she wants to move. She's earned okay. it. I'm, okay. Sure. Let's see. Uh, I'm. All, it's always happy hour when sports take time. You're right. No, I hardly know anyone here. Yes, Rob, I work five jobs for a reason. I'm a huge saver. I only buy things on super sale. That's right. Okay, that's, that's right. all right. He knows What's wrong with that. All right, so where did I go, uh, Father Sean? Where did I? Sweeney Todd's in Havertown or uh, Romani's in Upper Darby? So I go to Gregory and Marie's Ooh. in oh. Havertown. Oh, Gregory. Gregory. Gregory is Italian, like from Italy. So he he moved here when he was like 17 or 18 uh but he has been a barber since he was 12 he oh started cutting hair at the age of 12 wow yes and he is he's a character man so when i first try i tell the story before when i first so he would always he asked me oh, what do you do you know what do you do for a living what i've been going to him for a long time so at the time i was just doing radio okay this was like in between tv and in our 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 show here sure. so i said to him i'm i'm you know, I'm on the radio. I, I, I don't, you know me. I'm just like, I don't even want to sit, but I, I'm like, I'm on the radio. Oh, you, you see, he would say, you're a DJ. You, you, you play music. I'm like, nah, I, no, I, no. I talk about sports and he, he couldn't like, he's like, that's all you do. You, you don't talk you know, politics. I'm like, no, I just, mm-hmm. I just talk. And he couldn't wrap his head around the fact that there's right. 24 hour sports talk. Right. So, Spe- like, especially in a town like Philly. Right. So, but, but he, and the only sport he knows and God love him is, is, is football, soccer, right? He loves soccer. He's right. Real. Right. So you talk soccer. I'm like, man, we don't talk a lot of soccer. You know, we talk, you know, and I think he's, he knows who the Eagle he's I'm like, we talk Eagles and blah, blah, blah. I don't, and he, I could tell like just the look on his face. He didn't quite get it. Right. Right. And then later when I was started to do more TV, he, he somebody told oh you're doing tv you, you're doing news i'm like I'm, I'm i'm not doing news i'm doing sports and he didn't get that either right so anyway so i think i think he sort of thought i wasn't really doing what I was, I was doing he yeah he thinks i was kind of making it up right? right so one day i'm sitting in the chair he's cutting my hair my back's to where the like sort of the, the people waiting you got a couple sure. of, you know how it is in the barbershop you got absolutely so get my hair cut and we're he and i are having a conversation just about whatever nonsense and uh <laughs> Some, some said, hey, Tone said he thought Rob was a drug kingpin. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, uh, so, so this this dude who was sitting there waiting, he was he was probably like twenty one or twenty two years old. He was waiting to get his haircut, and he recognized my voice, 
and he jumps up and he's like, he walks over to us as Gregory's cutting my hair. And he's like, you're Rob Ellis, blah, 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 blah. And Greg was like, how he know you? How he know who you are? You know, all this other. And then his mind was like. He still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. But anyway. So so Tone is right. Then The guy probably thinks you're some kind of drug kingpin. (laughs) <laughs> probably he he i don't know what he thinks at this point like when the dude walked over and knew who i was his mind was kind of like blown so who, who knows a hey, fitness knows? rebel checked in at 1208 so you better make sure you fitness rebel where, where we are okay hi yeah. fitness rebel we we, we now, missed you off the now, top. see believe it or not i go to a barber every other week and my wife was like what's he cutting your nubs you have nothing to cut i said well you, you know shapes up the goatee he does the line and stuff like that but i can't get her to understand going to a barber shop now i don't know about you yeah. But but since I was a kid, right, going to a barbershop is one of the most comical places, and it's also therapeutic. Yes, it's where the most 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 trash talking environments, and I'm and it's, it usually revolves around either sports or politics. Correct, and you get people coming in, man, and it is hilarious. You know, it's it's and it's therapeutic. You sit there, and guys are just cracking up, just cut busting on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and you pay for the entertainment. It's the worth it. It's worth the haircut money. And you know, you little tip, tip your guy. It's worth it just to sit there and laugh at these guys and laugh yeah. at everybody sits around and it's not politically correct. And you're, you're, you're telling jokes and you're telling lies about how good you were when you were younger at sports and all this other stuff. And, you know, guys are complaining about the Sixers and the Phillies Absolutely. and the Eagles. It's what it's all about, man. It's fun. It's, no, it's see, a good no, thing. Now, see, my barber is from Nigeria, and he's been in the U.S. for, oh, my goodness, 30 years. Yeah. You know, got his degree from NC State, played soccer at NC State, stuff like that. Does very well for himself. Lives in a town uh, called Hokesson, which uh, is, you know, upscale area in Delaware here. So what what he's been doing for years that I didn't catch on to until earlier this year, like, you know, he has like five or six barbers who work with him, and I know them all, and we just sit and talk, and people come in, they know who I am. We just talk and yell at it. There's no talking in a barbershop. It's all yelling. Yes. Like, you yes. yell. You see, they're coming yell. to America. Yeah. Like, yes. they, they, you know, yes. like the exactly. Yes. That's exactly right. Yep. So he always asked me, he's a big Eagles fan, die, diehard Eagles fan. Um, and so he's always asking me questions about Eagles. So I didn't know until a few months ago that when other clients, I said, I'll tell him stuff. I'll say, look, man. You, you keep this on you close to your vest, or this is what I see. He'll ask me about line, you know, the lineman who's going to win this position. Right. When when I'm not there, he relays the information like he knows it himself. Like he so got it. Bust, yeah. 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 So we busted. Me and the other barbers, barbers busted him on it. Right. He couldn't say anything. I said, so basically, you've been using me for like the last ten years and making it sound like you're smarter than you really are. <laughs> You know, when it comes, so we go back and forth now. I should be getting a discount, number one, because I come to your barbershop. Right. And other people know I come to your barbershop. And number two, you should have given me an even bigger discount because you've been embellishing and plagiarizing my my information. Mm -hmm. You know, I agree with you, man. Yeah. Of course, him him being him is, oh, no, 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 I should charge you more because you come in. No, you know, you're not. No. (laughs) So it's, but dude, I'm going to tell you, barbershop is hilarious. And I, and I would sit there as a kid when my dad would go and take me and my brother. And I would just sit there like this with my mouth open. Yeah. Yeah, because you couldn't believe what was happening in there. What sometimes you, you thought things were going to escalate into a fight, but it was uh-huh. just guys jawjacking with each other. Yep. You know. Yep. No, but, you, uh, listen, you're you're dead on, man. I remember, God, when I was a kid. So, that you, you know, you're talking about like, you know, like the early 80s, mid 80s. 
hairstyles for white guys were different. It was longer. Oh, yeah. You did oh, a feathered yeah. back and all, you know, all this, all this other stuff. Right. So like my mom, there was this guy right near my house. So father Sean would appreciate this because he was a priest in, in the, in the neighborhood where I grew up, but there was a guy named Francis. Okay. A barber named Francis right on Westchester Pike in upper Darby. Okay. I, we would walk, we could walk there. My mom and I would walk over. I'm, I'm talking when I'm like a kid. Right. So we yep, walk over. Yep. So back then, you, longer hair was in. You didn't want the short. You weren't getting this back exactly, then. Exactly, right. But this guy, man, he didn't care what you asked for. He was he was like a butcher. So he, and he would like nip your ear. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the barber chair looking at my mom like, what are we doing here? Like with, yeah, with this guy, yeah. he's brutal. And I'm like, I'm never going to him again. You got it. We better figure something else out. Either I'm not getting a cut or we're not going back to him. He's stuck. You, you, you talk to your mom like that? I didn't talk to her like that. <laughs> I was gonna say you're lucky you're still here. <laughs> no, I was like, Mom, can we please go somewhere else? He's Dude, see, my barber here. The, the his clippers were always sharp, sh too sharp. So when they would do the line and stuff, yep. you, you'd have a cut here, a yeah, cut yeah. here, and yeah. then on top of that, before they let you go, they dab a swab of cotton or with alcohol, and yep. they go around, and oh. you be sitting there like your oh, fist burnt. balled up, man. Yep. Oh my goodness! And you got to wait to scab the heel a few mm -hmm. days later. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was brutal, man. Yeah, man, those were the days. Those were the days. All right, so um, Pevertown—that's upscale area, Rob. Well, I, I—that's where I get my haircut. It's not where I live. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, you—you going upscale not, neighborhoods there? He's—he's no, he's actually oh, hanging out with the rich and famous. No, nah, he's actually relatively cheap, so he's good. He's good. Brother, brother Guido cutting your hair and <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, father, yeah. Romani's is right next to the Highland Park Firehouse. Yes, I know exactly where that is, father. All right. Wow. Um, so, Gunner. Yes. Not all good. Not all good. Uh, the Phillies last night. Okay, is this is this uh, Rob's venting segment again? No, because I can't rant every day. It would be disingenuous. But 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 no, you would be you would be passionate. It would be it would be the typical Rob Ellis that I've known for over twenty five years. Here's where I'm starting to go with this. I'm being honest with you. Yeah. You know, okay. So at, at this point now, they're they're twenty five and thirty. So they they played fifty five yep. games. So we're we're you know about a third of the way through this yep. thing. Yep. Uh, and I told you yesterday, like I can't I can't do the e word early anymore. Like I can't do that. I, I get a sense, and I was I watched the post game show last night with our our buddy Michael Barkan uh, yep. and and Ruben Amaro Jr. <clears throat> and they they took Rob Thompson's you know meeting in the manager's office live as they always do. Yep. And he was asked several times, like you know, what do you do? And and he basically told you said like I don't have any answers at this point. He looks lost, and I'm not blaming this all on him. I'm definitely putting this more on the players than I am him. But he looks lost. And I think this lack of urgency that they've had up until this point, now all of a sudden it's starting to dawn on them, like maybe we're not this good. Maybe last year was a six-week crazy run, but what we saw for most of the season is who we are more than anything else. I, I, I think maybe well, that's dawning on them a little bit organizationally. Well, let me start by saying this. Um, you have thoroughly ruined my Phillies nightly experience. <laughs> I have. Uh, yes, you have thoroughly ruined every game that I watch in the evening. What, what did I do? Um, because of your passion and your ranting periodically about mm -hmm. this team, instead of just watching the game, I'm sitting here like in scenarios like, 
when Enola gives up the home run last night, I'm thinking, oh, geez, did Rob do a, a front gainer off his couch? <laughs> um, when the Phillies leave runners in scoring position, go 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position, does Rob have an IV hook? I'm thinking everything related to Rob now. So I can't just sit and enjoy the game. Oh. It's some, there's some points in Phillies games where I sit and chuckle because it's so comical right now in terms of how much money they're paying these players and how below average this team is. Yeah. And again, I understand what you're saying about you're not going to use it's early anymore. But I will also continue to say we finally hit June. I will wait until the end of June before I reach the Rob Ellis level of frustration. June was the month they really turned it around last year. Yeah. Okay. And so you got Trey Turner. And, you know, we know he's in a slump. He's not the, the yelling at the team. Are you, have, you gotten that point? have you graduated to nope. that yet? No. Okay. Nope. No, okay. I will not. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, Kevin. If this team continues to go this path from now until the end of the season, I will not yell. I will sit there and chuckle more than I yell. I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe this. I, I would be in, in amazement more so than frustrated. Mm. Um, I will not. I will not reach the depths and the darkness of the Rob Ellis Phillies experience on a daily basis. I will not allow myself. To, 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 you're more evolved. Let's face it. I need, every, we all know you're more see, evolved. Nathan, Nathan Hoffman says, that's strangely sweet, Gunner. <laughs> He's thinking of me, Nathan. Thank you. Oh, my God. It is. Rob's ruined my Phillies baseball experience. Uh, think now, about man. what I do to myself. I, look, I, I, you know, here's the thing, Derek. They First of all, Overall, they've lost three straight. Um, they've scored seven runs in the last four games. You yes. know, this team was supposed yes. to score runs. You bring in Trey Turner to a lineup that already had Harper. and yes. Schwar- I know they lost Hoskins, and that's legit. But still, th- there's no way that this team should be doing what they're doing offensively. No. And, and no. I'm not letting Nola off the hook either. I'll, I'll get to him. But, I mean, their, their offense is just terrible. Uh, and, you know, they're a bad road team. They're 11-20 and 20 on the road. The Mets have owned them. They've lost 17-22 of 22 to the Mets. Yes, they have. They haven't beaten the Mets in a series since 2021. Right. Nola, Nola hasn't beaten the Mets since 2021. Um, about an hour ago, so I did my own little poll on Twitter, and I said, which Phillies player irritates you to the most? And, of course, <laughs> the answers have come in fast and furious. So I will ask you this. Give me the two players that you think from my poll. You haven't even seen my poll. You okay. didn't know about it until I told you right I now. I didn't, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So tell me which two players do you think are at the top of the, the, the irritation list for Phillies fans right now? Did you give multiple choice or did they just they nope. just answer? I just okay. let them pick names randomly. I wonder I wonder if they throw Thompson in there, but if it's just players, I would say Turner and I would say Schwarber. Ooh, you were close. Right now at the top of the list is Nola and Turner. Rob Thompson did get a few votes. Schwarber did get a few votes. Okay. But when people said Turner, they said, we know he's going to turn it around. Most of them said, Turner frustrates me and irritates me, but we know he's going to turn it around. Yeah. Nola is just, Nola irritates me to no end right now. <laughs> you, know, I, I mean, you know what drives me craziest about him? What? Not that the Phillies are doing much offensively, but last night Sosa hits the home run, which yep. you weren't sure it, went, it did go out after the replay. It did, yep. He gives he gives up a two-run shot right after that. As soon as the Phillies take the lead back, and, and I feel like that's been him all year. Like, they'll either battle back and take a lead, and then he gives it right up the next half inning. Or Jeez. last night, you finally got something 
and then boom, there's the, the cat hit the two run home run. It's like, come on, man, protect the lead. And he was behind counts the whole night. Yes. He's never a guy who walks a lot of people, but he wasn't sharp again last night. Like, you know, three walks for him is a lot of walks. Yes. He's not a guy who gives up a lot of walks. Five strikeouts is a low total for him. And he's given up a ton of home runs this year. His breaking pitches are basically hanging across the plate like Frisbees. Right. They're just hovering across the plate. There's no snap in his breaking pitches. He's not hitting the corners. Um, his velocity is not what it was consistently like it was. Now, granted, he throws 94-95 with a fastball. But because of his breaking pitches when they're on and when they're snapping off the plate like they're supposed to, it sets up his a little bit above average fastball that much better. That His breaking pitches help catch batters off guard. That's not happening now. When you look at his box, when you look at his line last night, Rob, he went six innings. Yeah. He only gave up four hits, but he gave up four on runs. Yeah. In back-to-back innings, he gave up four runs. So he pitched well enough to win, if you really think about it. Yeah. His offense is killing him. Anytime you have the likes of Castellano, Schwarber, and Rio Muto going 0 for 11, and Schwarber's now dipped to 163 hitting, he's got more strikeouts than he has game appearances. Derek, I, I mean, here's the thing with Schwarber, and I know everybody wants to tell you he, he's June Schwarber and all this other stuff. He goes off in June. Okay, well, here we go. It's June 1st, so we'll see. 163. Three eighteen on base, three ninety five slugging percentage. Yep, he's got sixty eight strikeouts, as you mentioned. You know this is epically bad. Like this isn't. He's usually around two hundred, hovering around there, and he does strike out a lot. But even by his standards, this is bad. On top of everything else, Bohm's now on the IL with a hamstring. Yes, yes, man. Now, now, Rob, I will go back to this because. Um... I know, I know you're taking this personal, um, and, and I know it's no matter what I say, I'm not going to be able to talk you off this ledge until he, this team puts together a definitive streak. But if you go back to last year, all right, he played 155 games, right? Yes. Okay, 155 games last year, he hit 218. I, I, I he had, know. I, he had I know. 200 strikeouts. But he had 46 home runs and 94 RBI. Yeah, it's not all that different. I I, I get it. You know, but 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 here's the thing. You said 218. He had two. He had. Uh, I lost it here. What the heck? Yeah, 218. Okay. I mean, that's that's 50 some odd points higher than what he's hitting now. But it's only May, Rob. It's only first day. Now the highest he ever hit batting average wise was in uh, 2021 when he played 41 games for Boston. He had yeah, 291. Yeah, but he only had yeah, but he only had seven home runs. So the time he split between Washington and Boston, he hit 32 homers and he had uh, 71 RBI. He had 253 for Washington and then the, for Boston he had 291. Yep. So that's the best he's ever done. Yeah. So I continue to tell you, if he hits 220, it's a major accomplishment. <laughs> he's got 68 yeah. strikeouts like, in 55 even. games already, dude. I, and I 190 can't even. plate appearances. Gunner, they're driving me nuts. Oh, my God. All right, so uh, let's do this. Let, let's turn our sights to football before I, I lose my mind this early in the show. Uh, we, here's what we have today. Jeff McClain at 1230. Jeff's going to join us from the NovaCare Complex. Eagles start OTAs today at 1255. Jeff's going to join us at 1230. Yeah, yeah. One o'clock, Keith Pompey is going to join us. We'll talk to him about the Nick Nurse hiring. Uh, Joe Mazzola, it, by the way, it, it will keep his job in Boston. 
they've announced that. Brad Stevens came out and announced that. Monty Williams gets six years, $78.5 million. That's unbelievable. It's the biggest contract in the history of the NBA for a coach. NBA coaches are right now standing up applauding what yeah. Detroit just did. Eric Spolster just did a backflip. Like, like what about the Denver games. coach? Yeah, I know. Mike Malone's yeah, hanging from the the scoreboard. Oh my goodness! I'm telling what, you. What, yeah. what are the what are the Sixers paying Nick Nurse then? That's my. That's one of the things I want to dive into with with Keith at one o'clock. I, you I'm know what? Really I'm real quick, curious. I, I know we got McLean on the other side, but you know what? You might want to listen to what Griffin Renzi is telling you here. He said. Rob just needs to go to a D-Gun barbecue <laughs> to help cool down his tomato head. <laughs> tomato head. It's <laughs> uh, talking in terms of how beet red you are. I know. I, I believe me. I know how red I get. This is nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. All right. Especially so let's you tell your kids they can't order what they want to order for food. Correct. That's exactly right. Uh, all right. Let's get a timeout. Uh, and we'll come back. And Jeff McLean will we'll be hopping on with us from the NovaCare Complex. Looking forward to hanging out with Jeff. I haven't talked to him in a minute. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Been going there since I was a kid. Uh, they've been family-owned since 1985. you got Alex and his great crew. They're there seven days a week. They have the most fresh food that you will ever encounter. I mean, none of that sitting under a heat lamp stuff. They offer 20 different styles of pizza daily. They have slices to go. I love the fact that they have the you-name-it, They'll make it. Basically, it's specialized pizza your way, however you want it. They don't just do pizza, by the way. They do fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, salads, wings. Bravo is also committed to the community. Fundraisers for Little Leagues, for charities, for schools, uh, for Eagles Autism, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown is the address. Give them a call. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Birds! 
and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Without further ado, uh, we're going to get to Jeff McClain. Appreciate Jeff uh, squeezing us in here before OTAs begin at 12.55. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff underscore McClain. Jeff, by the way, really enjoying, man. I know I think the latest was uh, Sean Desai, but really enjoying your uncovering uh, the birds where you get an opportunity to kind of sit down. Yeah, and get the, that get is the, awesome, dude. Uh, really, really well done, man. Congratulations on that. Uh, thanks. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So uh, we just finished the, what we, what we're calling season one, 10 episodes of uh, narrative series podcast on the Eagles. And, you know, some of it, uh, most of it, I guess, is stuff that's happened previously and, and uh, with pl- certain players that uh, went through, the organization from around, you know, from when I started covering in 2009 up until now, but last two have been on more current topics. Jalen Hurts uh, being the face of the franchise now was episode nine and episode 10 and season finale with Sean Desai. And and we've had really good response and and, uh, um, obviously a lot of people have listened. So uh, we're hoping to continue it and uh, we're kind of in the works and planning stages of that right now. Jeff, I I, got to ask you this real quick because, uh, you know, I've known you for a long time and and I love your work. I've told you that many, many times. Um, But in all the years that you've been in the media and a journalist, as a writer, a print print journalist, doing this format with the podcast, have you found out anything about yourself that you didn't know as an interviewer that you may like or dislike about the style in which you interview? Um, well, it's definitely certainly a different medium for me. Uh, yeah. We've done podcasts before, but you know, the right. typical ones where you just kind of sit and talk with uh, other beat yeah. reporters or uh, about the c- current state of the team. Uh, this was certainly uh, a different muscle for me ha- to have to flex. And um, you know, that was you know the interviewing thing uh, was essentially the same. I mean, I had some very long interviews with a, lot, a number of the subjects. Some even one as long or more than two hours. So oh, wow. um, that's Paul. Um, and typically my interviews don't really stretch that long. It depends upon, um, the subject and the person uh, over the years in terms of what I've been writing for the paper and newspaper, but the biggest test, uh, challenge for me, I guess, was just kind of getting the, uh, you know, the voice down for, for how you talk on podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, uh, almost conversational. Um, even if something is written in front of me, I don't want to, I certainly don't want to, uh, 
say it in a way in which it sounds like I'm, I'm reading from a script. You want to just kind of right. draw the uh, listener in, make them feel like uh, we're having a conversation and that, that takes a little uh, time yep. to learn. And I'm still kind of going through that in terms of voice flexion. You guys probably know better than me, uh, having yeah. been in that, uh, worked in that, uh, in that field longer than I have of, of how long it takes to kind of get that, uh, that conversational tone down. But the podcasts are different than radio and different than this, obviously. And mm -hmm. um, no, it's, it's been fun uh, to dig into these topics. They're, they're really honestly about 30 to 35 minutes. And, and I like that length because it's like, you know, usually a commute into work or maybe yep. an exercise uh, you know, a workout for somebody or walking the dog. And, and, um, and, and, and I think in a lot of the cases we've brought some new information out there, um, new perspectives and, um, uh, additional context to maybe some of these uh, stories that you thought you knew, but maybe don't know, uh, as well as you thought you did. Jeff, Chris asks, and I would just so everybody who hasn't, hasn't had the chance to hear it yet, uh, where can she, where can she listen to this? She said she can't find it on YouTube, but where, where can people either download or, or be able to access. Yeah, it. we're not up yet on YouTube. I think that's in the works. But in terms of where anywhere you get your podcasts, um, Apple, you know, um, Spotify. We, I mean, we have the links on our page. Um, and, uh, you know, this is in partnership with um, with uh, KYW News Radio. So you can go there as well and get it. Um, cool. But anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay. Uh, yeah. I want to, I want to ask you about Sean Desai. Give, give us something you learned about him that maybe, you know, we, we, we know sort of philosophies and schemes. We know he got his, I think, doctorate or master's at Temple. What did you learn about him that sort of stood out to you? Yeah, there was a lot I, I learned in terms of his background and how he came up. Uh, and, you know, uh, we centered this the episode a lot of, around the Indian American, uh, the, Indian American experience or being the first generation Indian American, the immigrant experience. His parents were born in India, emigrated to the United States. And then he was born here in 83, along with his brother. And, you know, he, he lived in a house with a lot of relatives. There's 11 of them under one roof until he was in second grade. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that is kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it's not atypical um, for uh, families that have immigrated uh, especially Indian families, they're very close knit, and they, yep. you know, the first comes over, they bring more from the from the family, and uh, so he he grew up around his cousins, and uh, that fostered a competitiveness in him, and he took to every sport, um, football he loved. It took him a little while because his parents were a little uh, resistant to that because of its contact and the violence. Eventually, played freshman year of high school, breaks his ankle, and mm -hmm. his parents are like, "All right, that's it, you're done." And he can't play his sophomore year, but um, his love for it is, is so intense that they allow him to play as a junior, senior year. And that's kind of where his, you know, he wasn't an exceptional player, but good enough to play. And but that's also where his love of strategy and instruction kind of was first fostered. And even though he kind of pursued this educational path, he went to BU and then he went to um, Columbia to, to um, in the teacher's college. And, and if initially his parents wanted him to go to the med school. Um, and then he went into temple, got his doctorate and you just, you learned about how, um, you know, obviously there's a glass ceiling for, for a lot of people, um, who want to get into coaching. Um, but certainly for, uh, people of certain cultures and, and you know, Indian Americans, Indians just don't typically, um, play football or excel right. in, in America. And, you know, for him to kind of go from a non-traditional football, uh, background to coaching, took a lot of hard work. I mean, just you hear the stories uh, from people who've worked with him. 
Um, and that to me really stood out about Sean is that just that this guy is very diligent. Are you surprised that the Eagles uh, kept him away from the media as long as they did? Because people kept saying, why haven't we heard from Sean Desai yet? <laughs> Were you surprised by that considering <laughs> the past experiences with this organization? Well, I mean, in 2000 and oh, just two years ago when, when Nick Sirianni was hired, we didn't get any of the coordinators until like late May. Wow. Now I think someone had to do with the fact that the way Sean, uh, the way Nick came in and they didn't, uh, they want to kind of ease them in. And I, I get that to some extent. In a lot of cases, these guys are seasoned. Uh, Sean has been a coordinator before, so he's been out in front of cameras and microphones before. Um, so I think a lot of it had to do with, they were just busy. Yeah. Um, but he had his, he had his news conference a few weeks ago yeah. and, you know, the fact that they gave me – we spoke for like 40 minutes. The fact that they gave me Sean for 40 minutes was was great. Typically, that would be something that happens. And um, uh, so, yeah, not completely surprised. But, yeah, obviously, as a reporter, you want to get him as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah, it's it. it I, I that is very Eagles ish. I, I would say that uh, <laughs> to say the least. They're so, gone. Jeff, what do we expect here? Uh, OTAs. We know um, the Eagles have aired on the lighter side, which, you know, it's worked for them, frankly, from a health perspective. I know some of that is good fortune, but but still, um, what do you expect to, to gather out of this today? Is there much that you can take away from these couple of days here? Um. I wouldn't say much. There's a few things. I mean, number one, being the rookies, the first time you get to see them mm-hmm. playing in the NFL or practicing in the NFL. And aside from everything else you know about them in terms of uh, all the parameters and weight size and 40 time, et cetera, and what you've seen on film in college, it's the first time to see, okay, can these guys move at a pro level speed? Of course, they're not playing at a pro level speed or game speed yet. But sometimes you can kind of glean a few things, especially for like the skill position guys. I wish the Eagles did, really didn't get many. Uh, of in the in the draft um but um the rookies number one the new guys how they fit in i mean i'm i'm most interested in looking at see how deandre swift and brad penny these are guys are perennial um that are often injured um but when they're on the field and healthy they're very productive so it'll be interesting to see how um they go about the the process of uh, replacing miles sanders and then of course i mean there really aren't many uh competitions only one starting spot, I, I, maybe two starting spots, I guess, are, are up for grabs, which would be right guard, um, Cam Jurgens, And there's a chance that Tyler Steen, the rookie, has a chance to, to compete for that spot. And I guess safety, uh, it's, it's fair to say that um, maybe one or both those spots are, are out there for the taking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, Jeff, I'm glad you brought up the right guard spot. Everybody seems to think it's automatic they're going to pencil in Cam Jurgens at that right guard spot. How do you see it playing itself out? I mean, this kid, Steen, is a big kid. Played at Alabama, road greater university, you know, 6'6". I mean, how do you see it playing itself out? Well, both guys are going to have to do some transitional work here because Cam Jurgens has never really played guard. And even though I think he practiced some of it last year, they started to kind of uh, prepare him for this uh, eventuality. Um, that's going to be an adjustment for him. And the same thing applies to Steen, who played tackle only at Vanderbilt and then Alabama. He's going to have to yep. move into guard, which is different. And typically it may be easier in some in some respects moving inside. Um, but that's an adjustment for both. And Tyler, I mean, it's coming to the NFL, to making a, a huge leap. Um, whereas Cam's kind of done that now. And I know Cam didn't play much last year as a fresh uh, – as a rookie, as a freshman, as a rookie. Um <laughs> Before Jason Kelsey returned, remember you guys, he didn't play for three weeks. This guy got in the preseason and he looked mm-hmm. like me, like to me, like he was ready to step yes. in and perform yep. at this level. 
So my expectation is that Cam is going to hold on to that job, but we'll see how this plays out. Um, look, he, he's ideally suited to the center position, but he has a skill set and certainly can play guard um, based upon what we've heard from Jeff Stoutland, Howie Roseman, and Nick Sirianni. Mm. Jeff, any um, any thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, is this typically what happens in late May, June, or, or is there real you know, possibility they, they might take a shot there? Yeah, from my understand, not not likely at all. Um, you know, obviously, if if he's out there and all of a sudden he's willing to take whatever and for one year, because you're, you, and I, I doubt that. I assume he's going to be able to get maybe more than one year. Maybe he just wants mm-hmm. to kind of get the much as he can for one year and then sign something again. But he's getting up there in age. Um, the Eagles have two good receivers, and to me, you know, you've paid AJ, but you got to pay Devontae. And how we spoke about this a lot of times you just want to be careful about taking care of your own, ver- uh, taking care of mm-hmm. others versus taking care of your own. I think to have DeAndre come in, maybe if it's for a certain price, it's possible, but then you got the number of targets that have to go around. You have right. a lot of hands to, to feed and um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins takes a little extra work mm-hmm. um, and it took a lot of extra work for both those organizations that he played for. Um so I don't know if he's an automatic culture fit. I think you could bring him in and everyone would kind of gather around and he'd follow uh, suit maybe, perhaps. I don't know. To me, I just think there are too many reasons to not do it. Um, that being said, never say never. Um, but I would say it's very unlikely. Yeah, I don't see him investing that kind of money into three wide receivers. Um, I know you're pressed for time, but I got to ask you this. You have a limited amount of time with these guys, six practice sessions, and no mandatory OTAs in, for the month of June. So – what do you do in the month of June? I mean, how creative do you have to be to get through the month of June? Well, I mean, these guys are professionals. They, you know, they take, they handle their own business. No, I uh, meant you in terms of writing. Oh, me. Yeah, yeah, you. you. <laughs> I have a couple, I have one thing lined up, and then I take off on the twelfth, and then I and then I pretty much like you know I get I get an extended period. Oh, nice. Um, in summer, the NFL shuts down. I mean, typically, we, so we we just normally have one extra week, so we have one less week. Of work and I have some stuff to do before I got and plus we're, we're going to try and figure out the podcast stuff I got some stuff to prepare for training camp and then I'm gone and then training camp starts you know before you even know it and, uh, the older I get the quicker uh, the break always seems to, to go so, so yeah. Rob, Rob translation don't try to call Jeff yes. in yes. June or July I know what he was doing it was a You're, subliminal way of leaving call call you. I know I know how Jeff I know, I've been helping every now and then. hey Gunner real quick I don't know are you, I, I don't know how much you got to listen to podcasts but uh, there's there's a great part in one of them where uh, we have you on, on audio asking a question and it's just uh, it's classic Gunner Uh-oh. classic oh. Gunner do, do, I, do, I, do I get paid for this look at you Gunner to Riley Cooper <laughs> oh, oh wow. I know it's what question it's on the uh, Carrie Williams episode yeah if you want to listen let me guess the question was how do you let that word come out of your mouth when 70% of your teammates is African-American? Was that the one? That's the one. There you go. I don't know. People still ask me about that. Deacon, I can't believe you asked that. So why? It's a valid question. It is. You, it you're, seven, you're in a locker room. 70% of the workforce is African-American. You played a sport with most of your teammates are African-American. How do you let that word come out of your mouth? Yeah. Yes. It was perfectly handled, obviously, by you. Always a pro. And um, some some interesting, some insight into what happened on behind the scenes in in that episode. If you guys are interested or anybody's listening, interested. Thanks. Yes. I got to listen to that one. I missed that one. The Carrie Williams episode, Jeff? Oh, yeah. You were right in the middle of it. We'll check it out. All right, Jeff. Appreciate it, man. We know you got to roll. Have a great day, dude. See you, man. You got it. Thanks. That's Jeff McClain. Gunner, I remember speaking of that. 
so I was down there in a capacity as a reporter, a sports reporter for CBS three at the time. Okay. okay? I had right. left uh, Comcast sports that. Right. So uh, you're down there. Everybody was down there. It, it was weird. It was like a month. I, I can't remember. It was like a Monday or a Tuesday night. And I think it was a Monday night because this broke over the weekend, I believe, with the video. And he all, did. And the whole, yeah, whole he line. was at a, at a, at a, uh, a concert. concert. Yep. Yeah. Country music concert. Yep. So we're all outside of the NovaCare complex. Yep. Sort of like there's a main entrance and yep. then there's like, like a player. And we're all set up right in the middle. Yep. And um, and we're all just sort of standing around for, for somebody to come out and meet with us and all this other stuff. And it was it was such a weird atmosphere. Like it was uh, – I will just tell you this. He was very fortunate. Bradley or geez, Riley Cooper, not Bradley Cooper. Um, Riley Cooper was very fortunate the way Michael Vick handled things. He, yes. he really showed forgiveness for him. Um, he, he could have really, it could have been hideous for Riley Cooper. He is very for, and it wasn't just Michael Vick. It was other teammates who handled themselves quite frankly, a lot better than I would have considering the circumstances, but he got a lot of grace from teammates. I will tell you that. I, I will tell you this also. Um, Michael Vick was very uncomfortable being put in that position. Hmm. He was asked by the organization to stabilize things. And Michael Vick's like, what, what do you want me to do with this? Right. But because of what Michael Vick had gone through and because Michael Vick was still a lightning rod, you know, when he got to the Eagles, people were still in the, in the locker room. Players were still in awe of Michael Vick. You know, I, I considered – I always teased Michael and I said, man, you were like – I used to refer to him as video game Michael Vick, man, because the stuff he did on the football field was simply – it was sick. The way he could just take off and run as strong as he was. He could throw a football 80 yards flat-footed. You know, standing flat-footed, he could throw a football. That's how strong that left arm was. Yeah. So Michael Vick was put in a very in, un, unenviable situation. There were a lot of teammates that did not, did not want Riley Cooper back in that locker room. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, and the, correct me if I'm wrong, because yeah, sometimes this stuff all kind of goes together, but didn't Chip that offseason give him an extension to? Uh, the following season. It was the five, yeah, the following right. Season. I'm saying after that yeah. year, after all, that a, it was, I think it was a five year, $25 million extension. What are you doing? Yeah, you exactly. Doing? Exactly. I mean, after I, all look, that, I understand um, the reality of sports are we're, we're going to look over, we're going to look past a lot of stuff. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form diminishing, you know, what he said or racism, but we'll overlook boorish behavior and give out big contracts to people because they're so talented, right? Cooper was not worth the aggravation of that. That pissed off no. a lot of players that they did that. And that was that was another tip chip being tone deaf kind of yes, moment. Yes. It's bad enough he got rid of LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson. And then he gives he gives Riley Cooper uh a contract extension. Yeah. Um here's the thing I will say about Riley Cooper. And I am not in any way, shape, or form defending him, but where yeah. Riley Cooper grew up, he hung out with mostly black athletes. And of yeah. course, you know, that word has been such a lightning rod because it's been so prominent in, in a lot of rap lyrics and stuff like that. And when like Riley Cooper was in the locker room, he hung out with the guys that, you know, when, when the word was spoken, Riley Cooper was just one of the boys, Yeah. but Riley Cooper had one too many drinks on the wrong day and, and just said the word the wrong time in front of a camera. The fact that he, somebody had a camera on him going off, yeah. that just lit it up more so. And yeah. people, you know, people say, Deacon, I'm so glad you asked that question. But, man, I would I would have been afraid to ask it the way you asked the question. Well, I wasn't afraid. I, you know me. I'm never afraid to ask any question, mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. of all. 
but I had a great race relationship with Riley. Yeah. And even after I asked that question, because when I asked that question, if you remember, everybody was silent. When I said, how do you let that word come out of your mouth when over 70% of your coworkers and workforce are African-American? Yep. Yeah. There was yeah. a pause after you said pause. it. Everybody it was kind of like. It went definitely silent. And all of a sudden the mics moved in closer to Riley. To yeah. We were all in there. Yep. They got his comment. And afterwards, Riley and I had a great conversation. I said, dude, I hate I had to ask you a question. He goes, no, no, D-Gun. He said, you did your job. He said, this is on me, not you. Yeah. And I said, and I've always said, first of all, kudos kudos to the Eagles because they could have shielded him from the media yeah. for days. Yep. They brought him out as soon as they could right okay. after that incident happened and yep. made him available to the media. And I said, why did you guys do that? And I won't say any names, but several you know, ranking officials in the organization said he needed to face the music on this topic. Yeah, you need to face music. Agreed. And so I give them a lot of props for doing this because a lot of organizations might have waited a week before they made Riley available, sat down, gone over. Okay, if somebody asks you this, make sure you say this or don't say this. Whatever you do to continue to add f- fuel to the fire, mm-hmm. they they let him out. And you know, Riley was he was humbled. Yep. And he knew he was going to have to navigate a lot of uh, turbulent waters in that locker room. Dudes that were his boys looked at him a lot differently. Some dudes didn't care. You know, it's like, hey, it's Riley Cooper. Yep. But other guys, you saw what happened with the Kerry Williams a few days after that. Oh, yeah. You know? And Michael had to step in on that. So Michael Vick did not want to be put in that position of having to be the liaison between the African-American players and Riley Cooper. Mm-hmm. But because of his stature, he knew that it was going to be thrust upon him, and he handled the role well. Yeah. Riley Cooper knew he was going to have to spend the entire season looking over his shoulder. And, and people looking at him sideways because some never forgave him for that, for what he yeah. said, even yeah. though they played with him, some never forgave him. Um, and then on top of that, he gets the contract extension while other players are getting cut. And that made a lot of players look at, look at Chip Kelly, like, yo man, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, now Riley Cooper never fulfilled a full five years of that contract. But no, still, no. $25 million contract for, for her. And he was okay. I mean, he was okay. Yeah. It's fine. He was a fine possession receiver, yeah. but he wasn't special by any chance. Um, yeah, that's but I, I just remember that night, man, it, and it was crazy. We were all just waiting, 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 and then boom, uh, it, it all went down. But it was uh, it was pretty wild. What what are your? I'll ask you what I asked Jeff McLean, Derek. Yeah. Um, your expectations here from these OTAs? I mean, I, I I agree with what Jeff said. I just want to see, frankly, I just want to see like Nolan Smith out there. I want to see Jalen Carter out there. Out there, I wanted to see some of these guys. You know, Sidney Brown, et cetera. I just want to see how they're working them in, how might in terms of reps. I don't know how any of that's gonna work. It's it's there's not much. There's not much to glean from it, but basically I, these are glorified <laughs> walkthroughs. That's yeah. all they are. Uh, guys are out there just running, getting loose, uh, going over different plays and scenarios. Uh there's not a, a lot of extraneous uh stuff going on in these you really can't do a whole lot in six days and like jeff said basically it's just the players getting acclimated to their new teammates whether you're a rookie or a new veteran being brought in going over terminology getting a better understanding of positioning and where you're supposed to be um and then that's it um and then and then you're off until training camp you know guys will practice on their own work out on their own some will be at the Novacare complex doing individual things in their own weight room things like that many others will have their own personal trainers um as well um so it, it's basically an introduction to each other right um and, and installing the simple things before you get into the heavy the heavy bulk of what you're going to do in training camp yeah it's it's it look it, it is what it is you know we're looking for 
any little morsel because we are just dying for football to start, you know, again. So that's really what it amounts to is just us sitting here saying, all right, come on, give me something. Cause we don't get to see it anymore. You know, that's right, the thing. Right. All right. So Niners fan here. I was just looking that at situation that. perfectly. Yep. Uh, they let the locker room speak and yep. didn't hide him. It absolved them of the moral conundrum and they didn't hold his water. Well said. Well said. Yes, well said, that's coach. exactly what happened. Yep. Because this was a situation that just didn't – it didn't just subside within a matter of days. This took weeks uh, to calm both sides down, those yep. who were pro-Riley Cooper and those who were negative Riley Cooper. Um, but the, the bottom line is they went out and did their business, you know, on the field. It didn't affect their practices. Everybody knew their jobs and their roles, but – it caused an unwarranted tension in that locker room, just like with T.O. When T.O. went off, right. there was a lot of tension in that locker room. And a lot of people talking to me uh, under uh, under under the cover, so to speak, uh, things I couldn't repeat or use. But this was similar to that. Uh, this was more this was more volatile, obviously, because the nature of the situation no than doubt. the T.O. situation. But um but the organization handled this as well as they could. And I'll always give them kudos for that because, you know, I've covered this game a long time, Rob, and, and, and not just, not just football, but in other sports. And the first things organize, first thing organizations want to do is, okay, let's shield the individual from the media for as long as we can until it subsides a little bit until we've had thorough discussions with the individual in terms of what to say and what not to say. Mm-hmm. Nope. They made Riley Cooper face the music as soon as they could to get this out there in the open. Yeah, no question. And hey, look, you know, I didn't want to sit there and revisit this and, and you know the whole thing, but I just wanted to kind of just point out: a, you did a great job, and b, it was it was one of crazier nights. <laughs> it was a weird night, uh, to say the least. Um, all right, uh, here's what we're going to do: we're going to pick up the football stuff in, in a little bit here, Derek. But when we come back, Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer is going to join us. They're going to be introducing Nick Nurse a little bit later today. Uh, so, uh, Sixers put a statement out, too, on the hiring. So we'll, we'll read that when we come back. Yep. Uh, but get uh, Keith's thoughts on Nurse. And he's been pretty steadfast on the James Harden stuff. He thinks Harden's heading toward back to Houston. So we'll talk to him about that. Interesting. As well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been saying all along, he, he didn't think it was Houston just uh, using them as leverage to, to get a higher number out of the Sixers. So we'll talk to... We'll talk to Keith about that as well. So we got a lot in store for you. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you right now about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because finding that right person can be a challenge, can be very difficult. And I found the right person, and I'd like you to find that right person as well, that person who can invest your hard-earned money and take care of you in the future because we know how critical that is, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review. If you have a small business and you're looking for help with your employee benefits, trying to get them off the ground, that's another resource that Jim can help you with. I personally have entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. So will you. Give him a call now, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him as well. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. We're back. It's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports State, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Appreciate you hanging with us. We just wrapped things up with Jeff McLean. We go to one of Jeff's colleagues at the Philadelphia Inquirer who does an amazing job covering the Eagle uh, for the, the Sixers for the uh, for the Inky. And you can follow him on Twitter at Pompeii on Sixers. That is Keith Pompey. Keith, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? What's, what's good, what's fellas? Up, all right, all right. Keith, we're good. It's official now. Uh, yeah. Nick Nurse, the the, sixth, the the worst kept secret, I guess, <laughs> but they have made it official uh, that Nick Nurse is in the house. I guess the first question I have, Keith, maybe a weird one, but man, we saw the contract that Monty Williams got. Ooh. How much are they paying Nick Nurse? I mean, I don't know. I, I like. I, I, wish, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm assuming it might be. I'm assuming because Nick was making what eight eight. In Toronto, I heard around yeah. there. So I'm assuming it's about the same, you would think, you know. Ooh, man. Yeah. man. Pays the coach these days. What did, what did Monty do to get that kind of cash from Detroit? Or are they just that desperate? Well, Monty was smart. Monty was the one who said when he realized they wanted him, he's like, hey, I'm taking a year off. I'm mm-hmm. taking a year off. And then they kept coming, coming, coming back. Um, but, yeah, Monty, when you look at it, you know, Monty, what was it? When his first year with the New Orleans Pelicans, they won, I believe, nine more games than they did the year before that. And it was something like 15 more games in Phoenix. So when you 
bring all this stuff up, you, you're saying to yourself, like, this guy is a good coach to turn struggling teams into winners. And let's face it, he was real successful in New Orleans to a point where they were upset that he couldn't get out of the first round. So they fired him. And then, you know, the same thing with uh, Phoenix. So, you know, I guess that's the right guy to get if you're, tr- if you're tired of tanking and you want to turn it into a, a playoff caliber team. Hey, but you know, I will I will add this though. Then, if I'm if I'm coaches like Eric Spolstra, and Denver's head coach, I'm thinking, wait a minute, what am I worth then? Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Hey, hey, Detroit just opened up a whole new can of worms in terms of what NBA coaches now. That's that's like, it's like what Arizona did in football, giving Kyler Murray that kind of money. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the NFL and say, oh, hold up a minute, Kyler Murray mm-hmm. ain't even close enough to carry my jock. What am I worth now? You know what I mean? You're saying, hey, he don't even know the plays? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, Keith, tell tell us, um, you know, what, what's Nurse bring to the table? Uh, obviously, he won a championship. He was coach of the year even the next year. But but tell us what he brings in, in terms of coaching acumen and how what kind of style we're looking at here offensively, defensively, et cetera. You know, that's a great question. Um, In, in regards to what he brings, I, I think that, you know, well, first of all, he brought the same thing that Doc Rivers did in, in regards to a championship resume, right? So you, we got to get rid of that, right? But the, but that's the one thing that he brings that's going to get you to the next level. Secondly, is is he he thinks out of the box. He's really good at making adjustments. And you know, when, when we talk about Doc Rivers, um, not a knock against him, but the one thing that people said he didn't do was make adjustments in games, especially big games. And that's Nick's nurse nurse's mo. Also, when you look at it, you know, we look at he had Kawhi Leonard for one year. They won the championship. But outside of that, he really had a, a bunch of role players, and he elevated those guys to become all-stars. You talk about Pascal Siakam. You talk about Fred Van Fleet, right? Mm-hmm. So these are two guys who, you know, who thrived over Nick um, under Nick Nurse. So those are the things. Now, def- he's a defensive-minded coach. What he likes to do is he likes to swarm. He likes to get under people's skin. But offensively, before he became the head coach, he was known as the offensive coordinator, so to speak. He loves to shoot threes. When he was in the G League and when early on in his career in Toronto, like especially in the G League, um, his team, the uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers, shot like 54 threes a game. Jeez. 54, Jeez. right? So – He's one of these guys who, if, if you give him the right roster, he's going to spread the floor, get a lot of shooters out there, and that should open up things for Joel Embiid. Uh, I'm glad you said the right roster because it, it just leads me into my yeah. next point. When yeah. you look at the current – you know where I'm going. You, you, yeah. you look at the current state of this team, and we still don't know who's going to be here and who's not. But we, I think we have a pretty good understanding of the majority of the players that will still be here. When you look at the players that will still be here, does Nick Nurse have the type of players he needs to get better defensively? Because let's face it, perimeter defense killed this team, number one. And number two, be more astute in the three-point shooting game. You know, that's too great. No, I don't, I don't think so, and especially not the defensive thing. Like yeah. the defensive thing, like you said, the perimeter defense killed you. In regards to being more astute in, in the threes, it's like, you know, a guy that you hope that will be more consistent coming off the bench, you know, is, is, is going to be uh, Daniel House, right? Daniel yep. House yep. is a guy that you need to 
then you think about it saying, whoa, like if, if I really want to spread the floor, what are we going to do to bring mm-hmm. George's Niang back? Right. Yep. You know, you like what Tyrese Maxey does, what he brings. So, you know, Tobias Harris, if or, or if we're going to keep him, maybe. But on a defensive end, I, I think they're going to continue to struggle because when we talk about perimeter D, like I don't see anybody out there that's that's locking them down. I think mm-hmm. Anthony Melton did a pretty good job, but he struggled against bigger guards. He's only like 6'2", right? So I, I think when you we say that, when you look at this roster, I mean, they, they, they don't have a lot of room to upgrade the roster. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, it's like you look at it and there's a lot of weaknesses, especially on the defensive end. Mm. Keith, I, I don't think um... – you know, a lot of Sixers fans are going to like to hear this, and I get it. Um, but is there a possibility that Maxi is included in some kind of sweet as a? He's way more than a sweetener. I don't mean it that way, but included in a deal to maybe offload Harris and, and try to retool this thing sort of on the fly. Do you think that's a possibility? I mean, it could be. I mean, you know, I wouldn't do it, but but uh, <laughs> but, um, but but it it could be. I mean, you know, it, it's funny that you said that because. You know, there's a lot of on social media, like you look into stuff and there's a lot of people in Philly who want Tobias Harris going. Right. They wanted him going in his contract. And and then there are people saying, well, if we get Fred Van Vliet, then we're going to be great. But in order for that to happen, Fred would have to do a sign and trade. And then you're willing. Then you're saying, but is Toronto really want to take on Tobias Harris's contract? Like, because it's going to have to be a multiplayer thing. Yeah. Are they really going to take on Tobias Harris' contract, especially knowing that he's in the final year of his deal? So if I'm a team, I'm saying you don't have any first-round picks, but you do have Tyrese Maxey. And, and that could be something enticing for a team. You look at him and you see what you can do moving forward. And he could be, you know, in the right situation, I think Maxey is going to be a great player. But, yeah, if I'm a team, I'm asking for it. But if I'm Daryl Morey, I don't know if I'm willing to give that up. Right. We, we keep hearing this rumors running amok now that Van Fleet could be headed to the 76ers, which the perception is would be a good offshoot of letting James Harden go. Do you see it that way? I think it would. I mean, here's the thing. Like, James is already halfway out the door, right? I, I, I think when you talk now, you could probably say there's probably going to be some better guards out there. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at someone for a coach, like a lot of times it's kind of like maybe not be maybe not the best player out there, but the best fit for the coach and then someone that you can possibly get. And if they can get him and you and you know he's probably going to make less than the $50 million that uh, Harden wants. Mm-hmm. So it, that's one of those things where I, I think that could be a good option. But the problem is, you know, when you look at, Fred, and let's say you know you have to give um, Tyrese Maxey up with Tobias. So then you have Fred, a guy who has injuries problems, and you have MB, a guy who's had injury problems. What else do you have on his roster? Yep. You know, what I mean, that's the problem right then yeah. and there. Like, you know, what else do you have? Well, the other thing, not to belabor the Van Fleet thing, but like. Can you really have Van Fleet and Maxi in a backcourt? You're tiny, number yeah. one. I, I just that I don't know. That doesn't seem like a fit to me from a defensive standpoint for a guy who likes you know nurses a defensive coach. I I don't know if that makes a ton of sense, Keith. Um, does Harden? I mean, Harden like will is not afraid to launch a three. We know that. 
but does he fit the other aspects of what Nurse brings to the table defensively and some of the things he likes to do schematically offensively if he's here? I mean, I think offensively he does. Like, we know he likes shooting a three, right? Yeah. Um, but but also, I, I think that the thing with James that, that scares me, now who knows? Like, you know, everybody thinks James is going to leave, right? But the thing that scares me is James is saying he wants a more wide-open offense. He wants, like, to be able to do things. So either – you know, uh, they're going to do either like uh, the new coach is going to be willing to do that if James comes, because if not, it's not going to work out like, you know, I mean, I mean and then it's not really going to work out with Embiid. So I, I think if, when you have James saying that, unless he comes back and says, oh, I didn't mean what I said, this and that, it's not going to work long term with him and Embiid, because, you know, right now, this past season, you know, he, he basically became Robin to Embiid's Batman. And, 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 you know, got the assist title. And if he's saying that he wants a more wide open offense and he wants to have more freedom to do what he does, that's telling me that that's not going to work out between him and Embiid, regardless of what the coach does. You understand? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a little concerned about that. Now, offensively, if everything's going right, yes. Defensively, no. I mean, because the thing is, Van Vliet, Van Vliet. I always mispronounce the guy. I want to say Fleet. I want to say Fleet every time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah and, and the people in Toronto get upset if you. Oh, they lose it. Yeah. yeah, but so I just say Fred. The yeah. thing about Fred is he's a better defender than Maxi and and Harden. Yeah. But the one thing that you did say they are two smaller guards, right? Mm-hmm. Now it worked a little bit with Kyle Lowry. It did work, yeah. but <laughs> they are smaller guards. Mm-hmm. Well, you, he, he, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. You you put it out there first that you believe that uh, Harden is headed back to Houston, um, and and I love your insight and your perspectives, and I am not here to disagree with you in any way, shape, or form. But there is a part of me that believes that Harden is trying to use this as leverage to call the Sixers bluff. Also, it, it, do you think that's a possibility as well, or do you honestly think? He is so determined to go back to Houston that no matter what the Sixers try to do, because this belief that Maury wants to keep him here in Philly, that Harden's de- determined to get back to Houston. Yeah, you know what? Like, I mean, don't hey, look, believe me, with you saying that, it, it doesn't hurt me because, uh, be honest with you, I felt the same. Like when I was in yeah. where I was at, I was like, "Are y'all sure? Are y'all sure <laughs> this isn't a ploy?" <laughs> I'm like, "Are you sure?" So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and it could be. I mean, it could be because, you know, when you look at James Harden, you know, you say to yourself, are you willing to give this guy that money? Now, yes, he scored 45 and 42 points yep. in, in the playoffs, right? But but outside of that, he really struggled. So when you do is sometimes you create a market. Now, from what I'm hearing is that, you know, the Houston Rockets expect to get him, and, and they but they expect to win. Like that roster they have right now, if they can make some changes, they're going to try to make it. So that might, you know, might play into what James is doing. Maybe he knows some things that he's not saying. But, yeah, I, I do feel like James was trying to get some money out of the Sixers. But the Sixers are basically saying that, look, we're not we're not trying to work with you that way. Like, right. we're not going to mess up our short term or our long term. So basically, it seems like they're not willing to give him that money now. Who knows, y'all? Both sides say what they want. And then July 6th could be a different story. But I'm just telling you, they both seem to be that they're not giving up what they want. Mm. Keith, I I am curious about the um, 
relationship with with Harden and Embiid. Like it seemed like when Embiid won the won the MVP, they were all mobbing him in that conference room and the watch presentation. I mean, it, it seemed like all was all was cool there. But you you point out something interesting. You know, when when Harden throws the thing like he's looking for the offensive freedom, it tells me he's not thrilled with being Robin. Like he still thinks he's Batman. So just from that standpoint, does is there is there maybe not a fit there anymore with those two from that standpoint? Yeah, I think probably not a fit. I mean, they, 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 you know, when they come in, guys always try to work it out, right? And they all say, "This ain't what I said. You didn't, you didn't hear me say it. I don't who told you that. You know, one of those things." But I think what we saw is, you know, you see a guy like James, and and James is is one of those athletes who's always been the man. It's like having a wide re- having a receiver who's all for most of his career, he's a number one. And then you tell them, all right, you got to be a number two or we want you in the slot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they still think they're number one. And there's nothing against the other guy. It's just that sometimes they have a breakout game and show you signs of what they used to be. And they think that they're still that guy. And I think that's what James Harden is. He feels as if that he's still that guy. He's not ready to relinquish that role. He felt like, you know what? I'm doing what I can do to help the Sixers win a championship. I gave up $15 million. I did everything, and we still went out in the second round. So why should I continue to sacrifice and give up who I am when the teams has always been at their best with me scoring a bunch of points? Keith, I'm not giving James Harden a max contract at 33 years of age. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing it. I don't care how much it hurts my team because I know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm cap restraint. We're, we're draft pick restraint. I'm taking that. I'm, I'm biting that bullet. Uh, James Harden is not getting a four-year max contract from me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And then here's my thing. Like, to be honest with you, I was on the phone with somebody today, and I was like, all things equal, if you take out, like, looking at their current rosters, if I'm James Harden, I'd rather take the Houston Rockets deal anyway because I believe they can give them one point. They, excuse me, they could give them uh, two hundred. Two hundred and one point seven million. Where the Sixers can give them what uh, two ten. So when you, I, I know that's again, believe me, millionaires, right? That's nine million dollars. I would love yeah. to have five million. I would love to have eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, for real. When you factor in the city wage tax, the cost of living, uh, a, a no no state tax in in Texas. If I'm James, I'm going back to Houston. Yeah. If it wasn't for the championships and all that other stuff. That's just me. Mm. What, what do you think it is for him, uh, Keith? It, it, I know he's got the home in, in Houston. His mother li- makes her home there now. I know he grew up in California, but he's, you know, transitioned over to Houston. He's got places that he likes to hang out <laughs> there. Um, and he's a, a legend in that town. And, and, there, and the money. What, what do you think ultimately it's about for him at this point? Is his you know what I, I think like Houston is kind of like a place where he became James Harden that we know of, right? It's also a place where he has a lot of businesses and, and a lot of things like that. Um, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do. And his mom's there and a lot of his family. Like when he went to Houston, apparently what I heard is people in his family moved to Houston. Now, so he has like his whole inner circle and everything there. A lot of businesses, stuff like that. And like you said, his lifestyle. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where he just loves that city. Now, but it's also where there was times like people forget if James had a couple days off or 
Like he didn't go with the team to OKC to to like play in the game. He had the game the night off. Well, James went to Houston. Right. He 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 spent New Year's in Houston. So he has a lot of ties there. And I guess, you know, some people like, hey, I'm a I'm the legend here. This is where I'm a retire. You know, I'm 33 years old. I'm 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 going to get my last contract. I, I like the quality of life here. And and I think that's what it is for him. Do you think there's any way, shape, or form that that James Harden has more clout with the Sixers front office than Joel Embiid? I know his history with Maury. I get that. But do you think he has more clout than Embiid does here? I, I think he probably has more clout with the front office, but I think Embiid has more clout with the ownership. Okay. You, know what I mean? you know what I mean? If that makes sense. I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, think about it. You know, James Harden – you know, he's been with Daryl Morey for a while. Like, think Daryl James Harden was basically that trade, trading James, acquiring James Harden from the from the Oklahoma City Thunder, basically propelled Daryl Morey's career, mm-hmm. and it, it also did the same thing for James. Right. So these two guys are close, and then you know he comes here and he gets James. Yeah, I mean, I, I think James has a a lot of clout. When it comes to Daryl Morey, a lot, a lot. Mm. But again, Daryl Morey can make suggestions, but he's not the one cutting the check. Keith, Good what um, with the lack of draft picks, not really a ton of money to play with, even if Harden walks, how do you how do you change this thing? I mean, I know it's not going to be major overhauls, and Embiid's going to be back, et cetera. But what do you do to try and get this thing over the hump here? I, I think that. You know, you got to hope and pray that you can make a trade for someone. Yeah. And, and then it has to be like we talked about Fred, because I keep butchering his last name. It has wait, to be. Wait, wait, what's his last name again? Fred VV. FVV. Yeah, FVV. So, so like, I think it has to be one of those things where, you know, you look at a team where they, they feel like they look at Tobias Harris. And they think they can take on his salary, and and maybe you can do a sign and trade, or, or with another player. But I think that you know Tobias is one of the few assets that they have. Or you know you got Maxi too, and and Joel, but you're not willing to give up Joel. At least they're saying that. And then you know so you got to think long and hard about that. But so to me, outside of that, they really don't have a lot of options. Like. The problem is, like, you know, we're talking about we're not going to give James $50 million, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that. So the, the, the question is, and it's crazy because there's a, a catch-22. Like, you can't win with James Harden, a 33-year-old guy who wants to make $50 million a year. Like, that's a hard sell. But also, if you get rid of James Harden, you really don't have another ball handler on the team. You just don't. Um, another field facilitator or leader like that, a guy who knows where everybody has to be. They don't have that. So the Sixers are in a tough spot. And in order for them to get out of it, if he doesn't come back, they're going to have to try to make a trade. And, like, I think Tobias Harris will have to be the guy that goes. Mm. Okay, so Embiid is 30 now. Mm. New coach, new direction. If they continue on the same course, and I'm trying to be optimistic here, but I'm also thinking when you look at the current state of this team, this team could take a step back this coming season more so than a step forward because they're so restrained in terms of being able to move 
pieces around, no draft picks to get better, younger and get better, so on and so forth. So with that said, with Embiid at 30 years old now, how much farther do you go with Embiid before you start talking about we got to move him to try to get something for him? Yeah, I, I think the window is starting to close. Um, if it hasn't already, I mean, I, I think you got it like this year, you got to think long and hard, especially if they don't get out of the second round, what you're going to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, be, because, you know, right now he's the MVP. I, I know he has an injury history, but his stock is high. Now, I don't know if I would trade him right now, but if 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 you do another second rounder, I think it's time to reboot, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I also th- but I also think that. And B might not be the only one. I mean, I I, I think that, you know, Daryl Morey could be in trouble. Like, you know, because before you could blame Doc Rivers. Well, now you're the guy, you know. So I I think that a lot of things could happen. Now, do they want to get rid of Embiid? I I don't know. But at at the same time, I I think Mm -hmm. that if they go out in the second round again, Joel Embiid is going to look around and probably say, hey, this is my legacy. Like, maybe I want to go elsewhere and get a title. And they may think, like, Maybe we may want to send them elsewhere and get some assets for them. The only reason I'm sorry, the only reason I yeah. ask you that is because you look at what Utah did. I mean, they went as far as they could go with that nucleus, Donovan Mitchell, all these guys, Gobert. Then they had a fire sale and started over. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm thinking we could be very soon looking at this for a 76ers team. Exactly. And not to cut you off, and uh, but when you when you look at now there are certain teams like you look at the New York Knicks, right? Yeah. And and I'm just saying New York the New York Knicks acquired a plethora of draft picks, hoping mm-hmm. and praying at a team it will say, Hey, you want our superstar? I mean, you want our superstar and we'll give you all these picks. Now I don't know if the Sixers will want to just give them to the Knicks because that could come back to haunt them, right? A lot, a team that close. But there are teams that and when we talk about the picks that they got for Rudy Gobert. Yeah. You talk about Deontay, um, the uh, who was it? The San Antonio Spurs. Deontay Murray. Yeah. Deontay yeah. Murray. And we're talking about Joel and B. Like, yo, <laughs> I mean, come on. The yeah. Sixers will get a, a a bunch of stuff for him. Yeah. Last one for me, Keith. Uh, regarding Embiid and Nurse. Nurse is a guy who will who's not afraid to call guys out sometimes uh, publicly. Hey, how do you think that'll rub Joel and B I sort of look at it like I think these guys need a little calling out sometimes and a little less you know catering to um but if he doesn't respond well to that that could also spell maybe the end after this year with Joe it, it could yeah it, it actually could but you know what the more that you think about it I, I think um I think I'm right I'm with you you're right um I think that Joel does need some of that like as, as much as you know, uh, the players run the NBA, mm-hmm. but I do think that finally you need somebody to stop pacifying you, mm-hmm. like, you know, doing this and that. Sometimes you might have to get some of that stuff that you don't want to hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? You might have to get that. And then the, the second thing is, it's like, we got to be honest with our, ourselves. Like, they went out here and they brought Doc Rivers in and they said, hey, you come in here and you fix it. We remember Doc was saying, hey, look, uh, I got to make changes. He was making excuses for Ben Simmons, and that turned out to bite him in the tail. Mm -hmm. And I think if you get another coach in here and he's going to the ownership group and saying, look, man, there's a reason why you guys can't get out the second round. You know what I mean? And I think that it comes a point where they're kind of sort of like, okay, let's listen. Because 
you know, I'm pretty sure Doc looked at it and, and he changed the culture a little bit. But, you know, Doc went out just like Brett Brown did. Mm-hmm. I mean, so now you got Nick Nurse saying things. I think that they're going to listen and they're going to realize it's, it's, it's like it's, it's not a, a you problem, it's a me problem. Right. Yep. Well said. Mm. Well said. Well Perfect. said, Keith. Go ahead. You got one more, Gunner? Or we'll, That's we'll it, have... man. I'm okay. good. I'm good. Keith, man. I know you got to get running. I know they got a three o'clock press conference for the introduction of yep. Nick Nurse, but we, we always appreciate your time, man. Thank you for jumping on with us. Thank yeah. you, man. Thanks for having me appreciate on, fellas. Thanks, yeah, Keith. Right, All right. Appreciate it. Keith Pompey does a great job, man. Uh, really great job with his insights for the uh, for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Again, follow him on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers. Gunner, let me, let me think about that. I mean, I like to me, it. it if nurse is critical publicly of either Joel or the team and that rubs him or anybody else the wrong way, then maybe that guy's just not for you at this point. And I don't mean Nick nurse. I mean, maybe it's time to, to, to think in terms of bringing somebody else in. Like I, you might be getting to that point with Joel with, with one more year of this. I, I think when it comes to the role players, it won't affect them because they're just happy to be on a team making what they make a seven figure income. Yeah. Um, and when you really think about it, I think the only player that that this caters to is Joel. It starts with Joel and ends with Joel. He's the catalyst that make the, makes this thing tick right now. And we and, and as we've seen in recent years, it, it has only worked up to a certain point. Um, and if it affects Joel to the point where he can't function the way he needs to function, then it's time to move on from him. And it's time to re- rebuild this thing. And I think the Sixers fan base is getting to a point where if we tear it down and rebuild it, maybe it's not so bad. I think if they did that, there would be more relief than frustration in terms of, okay, just like Utah did. We went as far as we could with this. Let's see how many draft picks we can get, and let's start this thing over. Nick Nurse will get a clean slate to get in his type of players, have input to get his type of players in here defensively, offensively, whether it's through the draft or free agency. And let's rebuild this. Now, we may have to bite the bullet for a year and be one of the lower tier teams. Um, it may not even make the playoff for one year. But if it looks good on paper, better than it did during the Joel B tenure, then I think fans will have a lot more patience with that. But it's such a tricky road to hope because you don't have a lot of players that are worth first round trade value other than Maxi and Embiid. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you think about it. Yeah, so, they're, in a, they're in a pretty tough spot. They're in a tough spot, dude. This this is a tough spot, and, 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 and I keep bringing up Utah because this is exactly what happened in Utah. Maybe they kept that nucleus of players together one year too long, and then they finally came to the realization we're never – when we look at the teams in our conference, the Golden States, the Phoenixes, the Clippers, the Lakers, we're never going to get past all of the landmines we need to get to to get to the promised land, which Denver just did, which is the NBA Finals. So you tear it down and you try to start all over again. And that's, I think, where the Sixers are right now. You try to do it with Embiid. You yeah. try to do it with Ben Ben Simmons. You brought Harden in here. You drafted a great kid in Maxi. It's not working. Mm-hmm. We got to go in a different route now. Yeah, and there's one common denominator. Um, yep. So from – and again, he'll meet with the media at 3 o'clock. But uh, in the Sixers press release, there are some quotes here. Um, from Nurse. He said, quote, I'm honored to be named head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, a storied franchise in a tradition-rich city. Thank you to Josh Harris, David Blitzer, and the ownership group for this incredible opportunity. It's been a fun challenge coaching against this group over the last five years. Now I look forward to coaching the 76ers and doing my part to deliver this tremendous 
uh, deliver for this tremendous fan base. Uh, I'm trying to think of this to see if there's anything else here. All right, so from the Sixers, this is their release uh, from Daryl Morey. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome Nick Nurse as the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. His championship pedigree and diversity of experience mixed with his uniquely creative approach made him our top priority. We are confident that his leadership and expertise will help us unlock the full potential of our talented roster and bring an exciting new era of championship basketball to Philadelphia. All right. So there's uh, you know, on both ends. Yeah. Uh, we got it right there uh, on his hiring. All right. So, I mean, look, he's saying all the right things. They're saying all the right things. I, here's what I will say. I, I feel like when they, um, when they landed doc rivers, he was definitely the top target out there yeah. at the time. And I feel like Nick nurse was probably the number one guy of all the candidates out there this time around too. I mean, so they have at least for whatever reason, been able to land the big fish to their credit. It hasn't worked out with Doc. You know, we'll see what happens with Nurse, but at least they're, you know, they're getting that guy. So it should be interesting. I think it's the perfect scenario for Nick. And it's a bad situation for the 76ers. And here's why. I think Nick looked at this and said, okay, I've got him beat, but I'm also strapped in terms of I have to work with what I'm given. I don't have much input. So if, if we have to take a step back, we will. From a 76er standpoint, is trying to get over the hump of getting past the second round. The fans are not going to be as patient as they've been up to this point. Mm-hmm. As they navigate through this season, they're going to be more critical, maybe even more seats empty if this team if this team goes south and goes through a lengthy losing streak more so than a winning streak. I don't see that happening, but it could, as we know the NBA. And then they've got to come out of this smelling like a rose next year if it goes bad. Nick buys himself a little extra time to get this team the way he wants it. And the 76ers have to endure the persecution of the media and the fan base for what they put them through and the money they've made them spend watching the product on the court mm-hmm. for another for a fourth consecutive season uh, along those lines. They, yeah. they, they, they've, really, they've really got to really sit down and look at this thing and say, what do we do here to make this better sooner rather than later. And the only way I think to do that, Rob, is to get as many get as many draft picks back as you can, free yourself from uh, this cap restraint you're under, and, in, and bring in a few good good mid-level veterans to complement the youth movement that you're going to have to take uh, within, the, within the immediate future. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All right, let's, uh, let's come back. Derek, I'll give you a couple of updates from what's going on with Eagles OTAs, which uh, – which kicked off, geez, uh, about 35 minutes ago. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, some some sports media news uh, that's taking place. I'm curious what you're, where you fall on it. So we'll dig into that. At our 2 o'clock segment, uh, Tom Brady addresses whether or not he'll come back. Bill Belichick takes the blame. Matthew Slater rips the kickoff rule. 
And we're going to look at new coaches and which we think will be the most successful in the 2023 season. So we'll do all that. Remember last segment, we'll preview the heat nuggets, NBA finals. Uh, we'll get into that. we got birthdays, we got movies. We got a lot more for you. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. Let's talk about ProAction Restoration. ProAction Restoration is the place that you turn to if your home, your business, a property that you own may go through the in inconvenience and pain and fear, frankly, of, of what happens when you get water, smoke, mold damage, etc. But here's the beauty. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I know I've gone through it on a Saturday. They got right out. They cleaned up the problem at my parents' house. The crew was professional, clean. The price was more than reasonable. Um, they are licensed, bonded, and fully insured. ProAction Restoration has been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades, and they will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So that's huge. Water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it all. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760 or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. 
The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back. Thanks for hanging. Appreciate it. We are Sports Inc., Jacob Sports YouTube Network. What's up, everybody in the chat section, everybody streaming, everybody listening. We do appreciate you. Uh, all right, Derek, so OTA's underway for the Eagles. Tell me what you think about this. Uh, I just want to bounce mm-hmm. this off you, and then we'll get to some of our uh, sports media stuff. Um, so these are voluntary, so that has to be pointed right. out. They don't have to right. be there. Uh, the players who are not there, at least from what I'm seeing from the tweets and the reports, are um, – Lane Johnson, I mm-hmm. think Lane's still recovering um, from the uh, from the abductor. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Devontae Smith. Now I have no idea. There, there could there, these guys could be not that they even need to be excused, but they could have something else going on. That's important to to note. I'm a little surprised if there isn't something else that Devontae wouldn't be there. How about you? Well, he's got two years under his belt, um, you know. And if the coaches are fine with it, why not? We don't know. Maybe it's a family issue. We right. don't know. Um, I have no problem with that. You look at the numbers this young man's put up over two years. I'm not worried about Devontae missing OTAs. I mean, his first year in the NFL, he put up over 900 yards. Second year, he surpasses that 1,000-yard mark and then some, you know. So I- I'm not worried about him. If it was a player a couple of years into the league like a Jalen Rager right. who didn't show up, I got a problem with that unless it's a mer- family emergency or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But with the, but with the Devonte Smith, I have no problems whatsoever. The, the other names you mentioned, I'm not surprised either. No, all vets. They know, all, they know their roles. Yeah, they know yeah. their roles. They know what yeah. they're, 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 there's no problem with that. They've earned that right. Right. You know, even though NFL players don't practice much anymore as it is, <laughs> they've earned that right to not be there if it's voluntary. Yeah. You know, they're highly decorated players. So the, you know, I, the names you mentioned, I have no problem with at all. All right. Beyond that. Not a surprise, but just to emphasize it, uh, this, at least for the OTAs, the starting safeties were Edmonds and Blankenship. Some people thought, you know, I, Brown's going to have to earn his way into that starting Absolutely. position. It's not going to be handed to him, be, you know, in OTAs. He's going to have to go there and crush in camp. Then maybe he would take a, you know, a role like that. Oh, there's no question. I mean, Blankenship played well for the most part. He had a few snafus, but that's to be expected from a young player. Yeah. But if Brown wants that position, he's going to have to take it from Blankenship. It's not just going to be given to him. Um, and, and there's a possibility he could take it before the season is over. Mm-hmm. I love everything about him. The fact that he dropped in a draft where he did, I'm still surprised. But that's the case with a lot of players. But the Eagles are smart enough to get him when they got him, where they got him. Um, he's going to add great depth. Once he gets... Once he gets up to speed in the NFL level in terms of thinking quicker, reacting quicker, um, does he have to work on his tackling a little bit? Yes. But how many great tackling secondary people are out there in the NFL as it is today? True. Not many. Tackling is a lost art among secondary personnel in the NFL. Yeah. But he has all the other attributes, sideline to sideline, cover, competitive, combative. You can bring him down in a box, do, do a lot of things you need the safeties to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not surprised that Edmonds right now and Blankenship are your, your, your starters at this point. 
All right. So uh, Josh Tolentino, who uh, who covers the Eagles um, for the Inquirer, uh, reported that uh, Hertz just had a highlight play about six minutes ago. So they're playing seven on seven and he dropped a dime down the middle of the field that traveled perfectly over to Kobe Dean's outstretched arms to Quez Watkins for a for a big hitter. So they're nothing better than than OTA play by play gunner. There you go. I know you well, love that kind of stuff. The, the, the part that I'm happy about is that Quez didn't drop it. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I like. Quez didn't drop it. He, he secured the ball. Yes. Um, you know. But you know me, Rob. I don't get caught up in all the big plays that happen in OTAs and control practices and training camp. Yep. Because they're controlled for a reason. As competitive as you want to be, the bottom line is a coach's edict. Don't get hurt. And more importantly, don't hurt your teammates. Yeah. You know, so do what you can hustle as much as you can, but then know when to let up at the last minute. Yeah. Um, the plays that the, when the plays start to count in September, that's when I get caught up in a wild factor of plays because that's when everybody's competing at the highest level to keep their jobs. When it comes to those practices, OTAs and training camps, I go, okay, great throw, great catch, but always that you always have to add a butt there. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, all right. So I wanted to fire. If we, we get any more interesting stuff from, from OTAs, I'll, I'll pass it along. I'm trying to just monitor this stuff as, as much as I can. Um, but I, I found this interesting. Shannon Sharp's leaving uh, the, the undisputed show that he does with Skip Bayless and FS1 uh, after the NBA finals are over. So, you know, in a couple of weeks, um, you know, you just sort of felt there was this building tension with, with he and Bayless. Um, and, and look, a lot of that is staged debate nonsense, which we right. know right. unfortunately has turned into a lot of our you know industry. Uh, but you genuinely felt like there was a dislike there. I, I'm surprised he's walking from the money. I thought they'd maybe try and find him a, a fit somewhere else. Maybe. Um, but I'm not surprised that this marriage is breaking up. I didn't, I didn't Bayless can't be an easy guy to work with. Well, I think the relationship was really strained after Bayless's comments about DeMar Hamler yep. uh, when that came out. And yep. um, Shannon really took exception. Matter of fact, Shannon didn't even show up to the show the next day. That's right. Uh, he waited two days before he came out and fired back at, at Skip for his comments. And Skip, uh, which surprised me, really didn't back off from what he said. You know, he had plenty of time to really think about what he said. He apologized, but he didn't back off from what he said. Yeah. Uh, and I think the relationship – as strained as it could have been before that, I think that was the final straw in a lot of ways uh, for the relationship between the two. But you're right. You don't just walk away from money like that unless you have something already in the works waiting in the wings for you. And the fact that Fox was willing to give Shannon a buyout tells me that they knew that somehow, somewhere they had to quell this tension between it before it got verbally more verbally volatile along the way which right. is not good for a network look um so and, and of course is uh, shannon's podcast is also leaving yep. and that was very popular as well for fox yep. um so you could tell that fox is like Whew, i'm glad somebody took the initiative to make this happen because we don't know what could happen uh, beyond this point I'll ask it. I just brought it up, but I, I'll be curious if people want to react in the chat section. I, I would be, uh, I would love to get your reaction and, and see where you fall on this. Like to me, a lot of it with whether it was, you know, back in the day when, when Bayless worked with Stephen A. Smith or, or, mm -hmm. you know, with Shannon Sharp and, and, and Stephen A., whoever they pair with him as well. I really loathe the fake debate thing. 
Now, I'm not saying some of the of the feelings that you hear from the host aren't sincere, but I know for a fact because you and I have both been in these kind of meetings yep. where producers are like, all right, well, why don't you say this? And then you say this or you take this right, side right. And, you, and, and it's like, I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to like, like, this is not a, but I could never do that. Like I can never say something that I don't believe. Right. And, and there are a lot of hosts that have no problem doing that just to elicit reaction, either from the person they're sitting there across from or from fans or from social media. And I just could never sell out like that. Well, for a lot of people, they do that. And there are a lot. It's about the bottom dollar. And because they're making a lot of money, they don't mind selling out. But I think it's not organic. It's not genuine. And you can tell for those of us who have been in the business a long time, you can tell what's organic and what's manufactured in a lot of ways. Yep. And I can't do that. It's got to be organic. It's got to be from the heart with whoever I sit across from or sit across with. Um, I wonder how much of Bayless is actually genuine, you know, because a lot of people always disagree with what he says. Yep. I wonder if a lot, how much is really heartfelt or does he do it more so to generate viewership and con- conversation about about their show, which obviously you look at the numbers to find out how many people are watching your show. Right, right. You know, um, it works for him. He's making a lot of money doing it. He got a lot of money to leave ESPN to do it. Yep. I would just have to say, if that's what you want me to do, I'm not the person for you. Right. Same, same. And, and yeah. And again, if, if you, if you measure things by just finances, you know, I'm, I'm sure Skip is, is laughing all the way to the bank, right? And, and hey, good for you. If you can live with yourself and, and that kind of stuff, that's fine. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's also interesting, and we discussed this yesterday, you know, Pat McAfee is going and he's basically eating a big chunk of ESPN programming in the, in the yes. middle of that afternoon. Yep. Um, and, you know, getting paid very handsomely to do it. I saw somebody earlier, and I apologize, whoever said it on the chat, if you want to just jump back in with that same question. They said, you know, interesting that he was he's taking less money to go work at ESPN. You know, maybe. Uh, sometimes I don't believe everything you see with contracts and also understand that there's incentive clauses in there. He's also getting way more mass exposure mm-hmm. uh, being on ESPN than he was in some of his other platforms. Not to say he wasn't. He was obviously doing very well or else they wouldn't have paid him that much. So I, I, it is an interesting move. And he's also, Derek, um, one of the things that he said was he's absolutely not changing his show. And one of the components of his show is he curses. Yeah. And we I, haven't seen I, that I, on ESPN. I did see where he said he won't be able to curse as much as he did on his other show. Right. I'm sure ESPN will put certain guidelines in there that you can't, there's certain words that you just cannot say here, you know, because this is what our, this is what we've stood for, for, for 30 years, 40 years or whatever the case may be. They're going to give him the freedom to continue to be, you know, Pat McAfee, but there has to be a certain restraint. Because that does not bode well for a look that has a corporate image and has had a corporate image forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. Um, but uh, yeah, people want to jump in on that. Just just kind of where you fall with that. Oh, also, Derek, um, I'll get to this in a minute. But I'm, I'm curious, for, like for me, I appreciate, I think everybody does, but I really appreciate good a good studio show because I don't think there's many of them anymore. And what you get with that inside the NBA with Charles, with Kenny, with Shaq and Ernie Johnson, to me, is as good as it gets. I mean, it it is a stark contrast from ESPNs, which I don't find enjoyable personally. 
Well, when I look at when I look at their TNT show, I'm more entertained than I am informed. To me, that's pure entertainment because of the way they go at each other, the way me, you, and Barrett go at each other. Right. See? Um, for me, I love a show like Fox's NFL pregame show with Howie, Terry Bradshaw, mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson, and those guys. Yeah. Because while they take shots at each other. They give you inside information and things to look for. And you go, oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't normally say that when I watch the TNT show. And believe me, I watch it all the time because I love um, a lot of what they say to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Shaq is Shaq. He's a personality. Barkley is a personality. I think Kenny Smith is the most. I think Kenny Smith is is the father of the group. <laughs> now, and, and Ernie. Kenny yeah. and Ernie are the two who have to keep Charles and, and Shaq apart. Yeah. But they they but Charles and, and Shaq suck Kenny and Ernie in because of their antics, their constant <laughs> antics, which yep. makes the show work. Yeah. There's no holes barred on the show. Okay. And I'm not learn now. I love Kenny's breakdown. That's when I learned a lot is from Kenny's breakdown when he runs to the big board. Same. And when I'm just listening to, to the four guys talk. It's more about them what, trying to one-up each other yes. in their conversation, more so yeah. than anything else. Well, what's fun about them is we talked about the barbershop a little bit earlier. Like, yeah. it's got that yeah. feel where they're just busting yeah. chops, you yeah. know what I mean, giving each other a hard time, et cetera. That, you're right. But I think you make an interesting distinction. Like, you, you're not gleaning a ton of strategical, hey, look out for this. No. no, you're not. You're right. And, like, Ernie's the ultimate point guard. Kenny, I feel like, almost – feels like an, an allegiance to the players or sometimes he'll be like, if Barkley's going off, Kenny will be like, listen, I get, it. I get why he's saying this. I know, blah, blah, blah. I like, and he'll give you that where Barkley's like, come on, man. You know, and just he'll just yeah. wreck, wreck yeah. it. You know what I mean? So it's pretty oh, interesting, man. Uh, but, but anyway, so I, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty good. I, I got a chance last night, Derek, to watch the uh, everything but a chip, but the chip last night. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, NBA uh, TV, um, 2001 Sixers. Okay. Story. Very well done. Uh, I liked it a lot. I, I thought they um, they did a really nice job of taking you back to that time. We lived it. We were in the building when it was happening, uh, you and I, uh, of how the excitement level was for the fans during that 2001. All the, remember all the flags from the cars right, that were right, out during right. that time period? Um, and just how wild it was constantly with Larry Brown and Allen Iverson and how they're always at each other's throats and how Billy King and Pat Croce had to play referee a lot of times with those guys and just trying to keep them on point. So I thought they did a really good job. If, if I had one, I don't know, critique, and it's not a heavy one. Like I would suggest to everybody, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's good. It is very good. Now, you and I were there for the run. You know, we were working for NBC Sports. The team was right there in our building. And we knew we knew a lot of stuff about that team inside and out. Yes. Was there anything that you watched on this? I haven't seen it yet. That yep. that made you go, "Oh wow, I didn't know that." Um. Yes, there was one. Okay, so there was like a real uh, knockdown drag out that they had uh, that that Larry and Allen had. So they're at the practice facility. They're at their PCOM, uh, which is where the Sixers used to practice before they had their own facility. They go into a room. So the practice is just about to start. Pat Croce shows up and he says, we're not starting practice yet. Larry and Alan, we got to talk. 
Like, let's go. So they go into this room and it's Larry Allen, Pat Croce and Billy King and the players to a man like Aaron McKee and all these guys are saying, as soon as they went into that office, we all were like this with our ears pressed to the door listening. Right. And they said, all they could hear was like screaming at each other and F bombs being dropped, et cetera, et cetera. And it was crazy back and forth. And like, they were all like, and then when it got quiet, they all sort of ran back to, to make it pretend like they were like, they were kids, like pretend like they were right, right. So Pat Croce basically said, look, I'm not firing him and I'm not trading him. So you both better get used to each other. We got to figure this out. And he said, Alan, I'll start with you. How would you like it? If every time you came out of a game as a coach, the player MF'd you. That's what Alan would do if he was pulled out. Don't take me out, bleepy, bleep, bleep, bleep. And then he went, all right, Larry, how would you like it if every single time, uh, you know, this guy's giving you everything that you he possibly has on the floor and you're, you know, you're still cutting him down with every little critique where where this guy's laying his body on, you know, whatever. And And he's kind of trying to open the eyes of both of these two guys. And he said, after a while, they both sort of realized they needed each other. And and from that time period on, those two operated very well with one another. And the cool thing is the player said was, you know, when the, when those two came back out, they were just waiting for like fireworks or Alan to be like, I'm not even practicing. He said they squashed it and they both acted like pros. Like Alan busted it in practice that day. Larry was, you know, coaching everybody up and doing his thing. And they both were like pro, pros, pros about it. So that was, I, that was kind of neat. I didn't know that, uh, okay. you, you okay. know, sort of behind the scenes kind of stuff. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, but I would tell you, good. If I had one little criticism, I, I thought they went through the the Milwaukee series and the Toronto series, which got them into the finals pretty quickly. They only really focused on like Game Seven. I, I, I think you needed a little bit more. Those series were nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that. Again, if that's if there's one beef, it's that. But I would say definitely worth it if you're a Sixers or NBA fan. And and Allen's very um, candid, candid, and he's also very like he, he said at one point like ninety nine point nine percent of the issues were on me. Like he was he he owned it. He owned a lot of the stuff, which I thought was he's maturing. I mean, he's an old. He's you know he's not a young man anymore. So right. I thought that was pretty cool. So I thought it was all in all thumbs up. I give it a thumbs up. You get a chance to check it out. Any anytime you see a documentary like this, um, I always come away thinking, I wonder how much the organization, you know, because obviously before it's released, the organization has to look at it and, yeah. and give their seal of approval. Right. I wonder how much the organization said, okay, take this out. We don't uh, you know, we don't need to we don't need to rehash this. You know, I wonder if they had, you know control over how much control over the editing of it that they had the certain snippets of interviews that they had maybe a certain facet of that era that relationship that really just needs to stay buried you know what i mean right you know i always think about that kind of stuff when i look at these documentaries yeah it's true it's always uh, yeah the the kind of in retrospect what is what is really going on here yeah that is interesting um all right, let's uh, let's get a timeout. Let's let's dive into the NFL here, Derek. Uh, we got a bunch to get into, including Tom Brady, a uh, heroic moment from Raheem Morris, uh, Bill Belichick, Matthew Slater, and which NFL coaches, first year NFL coaches, 
will have the greatest success. We'll dive into their situations when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you right now about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, they are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. Uh, they are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. Keep in mind, it's a great time of year right now, weather-wise. It's an awesome time to have your trees evaluated because when the summer hits, we can get the heavy rain, the heavy wind, etc. So get that checked out now. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
back. Hour number three. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis hanging out with you. Sports Day, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, Gunner, let's talk some NFL here. Um, there was some speculation that Tom Brady still may come back, um, you know, for obvious reasons, because he retired once and came back again. Uh, but this time he says absolutely unequivocally he is not coming back. In fact, he's relieved to know the NFL season is, is kind of kicking off now with OTAs and whatnot and camps right around the corner. And he does not have to, you know, go through all the preparation and everything else that's involved. He said, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. I'm not, don't worry about it. My, you know, the Raiders part of this thing that I have part ownership and all that I'm done playing football. I, look, call me a sucker if this thing changes, but I believe him. I, I don't think, I think last year he went through a lot personally. Yep. I think he got beat up with a bad offensive line and he probably said, you know what? I'm pushing this thing already. Like I, it's probably best that I step aside and, and, and call it a career. You, you have a mega TV contract sitting there waiting for you. You're 45 years old. You've played the game much longer than anybody ever anticipated. Why would you want to come back now? You know? And the thing is, the contract he's, he has in front of him doesn't involve um, it doesn't involve physical uh, abuse to his body anymore. He doesn't have to be there. The first guy in there in the six a.m. in the morning, and the last guy out at night. Right. Um, he gets to sit in a booth for maybe twenty weeks out of a year. And most of those guys, you know, they go to their destinations like on a Thursday, the interview coaches and players, some of them on a Friday or Saturday. You do the game on a Sunday or a Monday, whatever game you're doing, Sunday usually. Uh, and then you go home. And, mm -hmm. and all you got to do is study. All you have to do is study rosters and players for the next week. You're not studying tendencies of opponents. You're studying background information on players that help you get through talking points during a live broadcast. The mental and physical relief that he has compared to playing the game, practicing OTAs, mandatory minicamps, travel, um, it, it, it's more than taking his toll. Yeah. And he's still a young man. I don't blame him. I mean, why even contemplate it? I mean, the man has won seven rings. He's done it all. You've done it all. He's yeah. won seven rings. What yeah. else do you want? Well, and, you know, the other thing is – a, if you play the quarterback position, and B, if you're him, like you said, you're first in, last out. This is not, hey, I'm just showing up for practice, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. And I'll be the first one. Out. He's not he's not wired like that. He's got to go hard. He's got to do the whole diet thing. He's got to train the way he knows how to train. It's a it's a whole lifestyle. It's not just during football season. Exactly. It's everything. You know, and I, and I would imagine part of the equation is well, now I get to spend more time with my kids. Yeah. considering what he went through with the divorce and everything and how public that became. Right. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure there's a guilt. There's some guilt there involved in terms of missing uh, important moments. You'll never get back with your kids at a small age. Yeah. And now he's trying to make up for that. And the dude's got money. He can take them anywhere in the world. He can do anything for them, put them in the best positions to succeed. Um, never has to worry about a dime the rest of his life. You know, because unlike most football players, they got to scramble and figure out what I want to do next. Yep. He's got a mega contract sitting in front of him as well. He doesn't have to worry about what he, all I have to do now is talk about what I did for the last 20 plus years of my life. Yeah. Very and I'm cool. getting paid. Enjoy I'm it. getting paid player money mm -hmm. to do this. Yeah. Yeah. No question. It's a perfect no question. Yeah. All right. So there's 
there's there that piece, and I, I like I said, I do believe him. This story is awesome. So Raheem Morris, who's the defensive coordinator for the Rams, yeah. is vacationing with his family uh, in Vegas, and they're at a the hotel. And and unfortunately, there's a I think a three year old. I think the kid, the young child was three. There's a three year old child who was drowning in a pool. So he sees a crowd sort of go over there. He runs over himself. The lifeguards are involved, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's a scary moment, obviously, uh, for everybody involved. So he's just basically doing anything that he can uh, to assist and help out. And he ends up getting these these AED systems, which which are the, the you know, the paddles like the, the chalk yeah. your heart back into yeah. place. Um, and he grabbed it and he brought it over as, as other people were, were working on this kid to, to try and save him or her. And, you, you know, he basically got the thing out. He knows how to work. So fortunately, the Rams as an organization teach their, their personnel first aid and, and other, other things. Um, so he knew how to get it out, how to set it up and just basically handed it to the guy. Boom. They used it. And it, it helped save the kid and the kid did have, he went to the hospital, but apparently he's, he's been discharged. Mm. It's good to go. So man, props to Raheem Morris stepping up big in a huge moment. The parental instinct took over yep. and he stepped in and did what you have to do. And, you know, that NFL slash um, emergency training really came into play at that point. Yep. So kudos to him, man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we heard the story about the player, down in Tampa, who'd lost a two-year-old child. Oh. The child was drowning in a backyard pool. Um, and just to see uh, this story turn out for the better is is so good, man. And, and I'm, I'm happy he was there with that training that he had to be able to assist in a critical situation like that. Yeah, pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Great stuff right there. Um, all right, beyond that, uh, who knows what to make of this, but Belichick falls on the sword for the Patriots losing those OTAs, if you remember, and they got the $50,000 fine. Yep. Uh, he said, you know, it's, uh, it's on me. Uh, it, it's uh, Who knows if it was on him or it was on Joe Judge. He wasn't going to throw Judge under the bus. So he took the fall for it. Um, but it's it what sounds your leader like, does. It's what yeah, your right. Does. Yeah. And it sounds like by the reports, it was probably more of Judge's fault than it is, you know, Belichick's fault, but whatever. Right. Uh, so he, he said it was on me. This one was interesting, too. Derek, speaking of the Patriots, Matthew Slater, who's been a, a perennial pro bowler on the special team side of the things for the Patriots his whole right. career. He really ripped into the, the new kickoff rules where you can basically do a fair catch um, anywhere on the field and get it at 25. So what, what, what he had a couple things on this. His problem wasn't so much with the league enforcing the rule because he said, I get it. You know, they're trying to prevent head injuries and I'm all for that too. He said, but if you're going to do this, let's really do it. Let's go all in. No more flexing on Thursday night. No more Thursday night games where we're turning around and playing four days later. Get us off this synthetic turf, which shreds our legs and our knees and our ankles and everything else. So if we're going to really do it, like, let's be real about this. Let, let's not pick and choose certain things. I, you know, it makes a pretty good point. All valid points uh, and rightfully so. But when you look at the NFL statistics, the kickoff was one of the leading factors that, that, that led to a lot of head traumas. You know, they try to curtail it the first time by do, getting away with the wedge um, to, to, to lessen the violent um, collisions. Um, and now they're taking it a step farther. 
Um, you know, he was right. I believe you said in our show meeting uh, when we talked that he also said if it wasn't for special teams, he might not have a job in the NFL. Yeah, that was the other part. He said, look, if I was breaking in now and this rule was in place, I probably wouldn't have had a career. And he said there are a lot of other guys like me. He referred to like uh, 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 Bill Bates, uh, who old Calvin, yeah, yeah. Steve Tasker, you know, old Bill. And he, he went through a bunch of guys who were just special teams players through the career. He said, none of us probably have NFL careers at all. And I get that from his perspective. I, agree, I get it as well. Yeah. I think the league is taking so much heat uh, for its lack of um, a, attendance to the head trauma I- issues back in the nineties that they're going overboard with it. Now they keep coming out with new helmets. They use these protective caps on helmets. Now, now they're trying to do different things within the game to reduce this. No, no chop blocking, no hitting below the belt, no blindside blocking, so on and so forth. Um, Slater has a valid point about costing players jobs, but the bottom line is those that play the game. The NFL is now trying to do everything possible to make you safer so that you have a better quality of life when you walk away from the game. Maybe a little over the top, but college football has been doing it for years, and I'm, right. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not surprised the NFL has followed suit. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, back to Eagles OTAs today. So as we expect it, um, N'Kobe Dean is wearing the green dot, Derek, which means he has the microphone in his helmet and the plays will be called into him, and he will, uh, you know, translate those to his fellow defensive players. That's a, you know, it's a big responsibility for 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 a second year guy, first yeah. year starter. Yeah. Well, tells, you, you, tells know, you a little something about the, you know, there's some trust factor there with him. Yeah, it, it has to be because you, you have a year under your belt now. Uh, you may have to learn a new system, new terminology, but you understand what's required of you at this level. Right. You are our guy. We, we, we look at our linebacking situation. You are a man in the middle. So you have to do this. You're, you're on a crash course. You have to get this down. The more reps you get it, get under Sean Desai's system, terminology, so on and so forth. It's going to be, it's going to become second nature to you sooner, sooner or later. Um, so I'm not surprised, you know, in the middle linebacker usually sets the defense anyway, usually sets the guys in front of them and the linebackers to each side of them anyway. Uh, so this is a natural progression for you now. It's your time to shine. Take the reins and and and, and master this because you will be counted on heavily coming up this season. Yep, no question. He will. That I would say this, Derek. If we're if we're the the sort of new face guys, you know, I guess you could throw like Swift into it and Penny into it. You know, uh, go on the offensive side, whether it's Steen or whether it's uh, Jurgens. Mm-hmm. I think of the guy I'm most intrigued to watch and see if he can actually play is the Kobe Dean. Same here. Yeah. Same here. You know, I have all these vivid in- images in my head of what he did in Georgia and looking at the games he played, the different film studies that I looked at that he played in. I can't wait to see what he can do at this level. If he can say, if he can be that same kind of impact player at this level uh, that he was at the collegiate level. Um, the, you're right. He's the one player who, who constantly comes to my mind first and foremost when it comes to the new wave of players that will be assuming significant roles on either side of the football. He's at the top of my list of watching closely this season. I think it would be him uh, and not that we didn't see him at all last year. We did, but, but what, what's Jordan Davis, you know, and um, apparently everybody there today. And again, take this for whatever it's worth 
said he looks like he's in great shape. So he comes into this thing in really good shape. But I want to see Nicobe Dean. I mean, I'm sorry, Jordan Davis. If not an every down player close to it, he's got to make a major impact. I mean, you traded up to get him two drafts ago. He, 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 he uh, you did. But I think with the presence of Jalen Carter now, I don't think he's going to be an every down player. I still think he's going to be a situational player. I do think he's going to play more than 20 snaps a game if he can stay healthy. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to be that every that three down player that everybody's thinking he's going to be. You have Jalen Carter in there for a reason. You drafted him in there for a reason. You, I, I, I believe Jalen Carter is going to play more snaps than Jordan Davis this mm-hmm. this coming mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I'm on record. I think he gets the most snaps of any defensive tackle. Jeff I agree. Carter. And that includes yeah. Fletcher Cox. I agree. hundred percent. I agree. His yep. ability to move laterally, his ability to get pushed in the trenches, to hold his own in the trenches, to get after the quarterback. I do believe he's going to probably have the most snaps of any uh, tackle. You're right. I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, let's dive into this thing, Derek. So um, uh-huh. by my count, there's five new NFL coaches this year. Yep. And they are as follows. Carolina's got Frank Reich. Yep. Houston has D'Amico Ryans. Indianapolis has Shane Steichen. Arizona has everybody's favorite, Jonathan Gannon. And then there's Sean Payton in Denver. Am I miss am I missing anything there? Mm, I don't think so, right? No. No. Okay. Um so let's take a couple minutes on each of these situations and and who we think is going to have the greatest impact and the greatest success. Let's start with Reich. Um, Carolina traded up to get the number one overall pick, which told you they really Mm -hmm. liked Bryce Young. You're not giving up what they gave up to get up there unless you do. And they took Bryce Young. Um, They also, as crazy as it was, after they fired Matt Rule last year and traded away or or cut Baker Mayfield, whatever it was, cut him, I think, right, Um, and, and traded McCaffrey, after all that went down, they actually started playing pretty well. Like there's yep. some talent on that team. Um, I have pretty, I'm optimistic. I don't think they're a playoff team and I don't think they're even really a 500 team, but I could see eight and nine, something like that for them. Um, the, for, for a team that's in transition, I think they're in the perfect division. That division is wide open. Yeah. Um, you know, even with even with Derek Carr in New Orleans, there's still a division that's wide open. And Frank Reich walks into a situation where uh, a, the team finished tied for second place, three teams at seven and ten records in that division. And he walks into a situation where he has talent on both sides of the football. It's not a D'Amico Ryan situation where you got to build this thing from the bottom up. Yeah. You know, you, you went out, you brought in Miles Sanders, you have Chuba Hubbard, so you got a great one-two punch in your in your backfield. You added Adam Thielen, you know, who's going to who's got a fresh start. You got DJ Chark. You got Hayden Hurst as your tight end. You got Terrence Marshall Jr. You got uh, LaVisca Chenault as a receiver, as a fourth receiver as well. You got plenty of talent on this team. And you have a guy in Frank Reich who is a great quarterback coach. Right. Now, I'm looking at different, different sites and, it, and people already pencil, penciling in Bryce Young as the starter day one. I don't see it that way. I see Andy Andy Dalton starting first, and then now he may get a quick hook because people will be clamoring to see Bryce Young sooner rather than later. And, of course, depending on how quickly Bryce 
can pick up the offensive system will determine when he gets in there. Yeah. But this is still a team in a division where they can be competitive and compete for the division title because everybody is on such an even keel in that division. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You're right. The, the, the division thing is very important. All right, well, well let's go Ryan's then. I, I think this is a, this is a real challenge in front of them simply from a roster standpoint, but I will say this. I loved what they did at the draft with the aggressiveness. Yes. yes. You know, um, that to me was kind of spoke volumes, you know, Stroud and Will Anderson, boom, boom. Like, okay. That just tells you this is, you know, we're not playing here. We're, we're, we're trying to turn this thing around relatively quickly. Now Houston is the situation where I could see CJ Stroud starting. Um, you know, this is a team that won three games last year. Yeah. So if they win five games, they're moving in the right direction. You know, this is a situation where he's competing against Davis Mills and Case Keenum, and I think he can win that. They went out and got Devin Singletary. De- Devin Singletary basically signing with a team that's at the bottom trying to find his way up was interesting in itself. Mm-hmm. But they also they also add Robert Woods and Noah Brown. You know, so they've got pieces here. Yeah. You know, it's not like they're devoid of talent. You know, they got Will Anderson. He's gonna, they have Malik Collins, the former Cowboy. Sheldon Rankins on their defense. Um, you know, you got middle linebackers. Christian Kersey is a good linebacker. Denzel Perryman's a good outside linebacker. You have Jimmy Ward and, Der- and Derek Singletary, Derek, uh, Derek uh, Stingley on the back end of your defense. This this is a team that has pieces, man, to compete. Even have Shafir, I forgot they got Shaquille Griffith on that team as well. Yeah. Um. When I look at D'Amico Ryan's, what's funny is, and I got to know D'Amico well when he was with the Eagles, he was always such a mild-mannered, low-key type guy. I never envisioned him being this fiery coach who can jumpstart people. And obviously, him taking over for Robert Sala turned out to be the best thing the 49ers could have done because that defense never missed a beat. So it tells me that he knows his defense inside and out well. He has the components already to put on the field a very stout defense. I mean, just as guys up front, Jerry Hughes, Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins, Will Anderson Jr. I mean, that's a that's a formidable group right there. Yeah, His linebackers and Christian Harris, Christian Curtsy, and Denzel Perryman. That's not a bad group of linebackers. And then you look at the two guys, one at safety and Jimmy Ward and one at cornerback and, and Stingley. Um, he's, play, he's playing uh, chess with some very, very – uh, potent, some potent pieces there. Um, I expect Houston to win at least five, six games this year. Yeah, I do too. I, the quarterback. I think they finally, you, you know, I, I what they've done with coaches over the last couple of years has been ridiculous. But I think D'Amico Ryan's is that guy. Like, I think he will get them on, uh, turned around. I, I like C.J. Stroud, and I love some of the other things they did defensively. I'm with you. Um, yeah. Another one here uh, with the with this AFC South is is the Colts. Shane Steichen mm. goes there. Uh, they drafted Anthony Richardson. You know, you would think if if Richardson has the kind of work ethic and will that Jalen Hurts has, um, he's in a good situation with Steichen, who, who got to work with Jalen Hurts the last couple of years. Like, that could be a real nice fit with those two kind of growing together. There's still a good offensive line intact there. Mm-hmm. Their defense took a you know a couple steps back for sure. They still have Jonathan Taylor, which is a quarterback's best friend, that dude. Uh, is a stud. I don't love his wideouts necessarily, no. um, but I, you know, Steichen impressed me with his play calling. Comes off as a really smart guy, uh, so they're, they're intriguing to me. The, the Colts. 
I look at I look at the situation and both Minshew and Anthony Richardson are the type of quarterbacks to run a Shane Steichen offense that he needed. It's not like he has a turn to take his playbook and and shred it down to fit the style of quarterback he has. Gardner Minshew knows the offense already. Anthony Richardson has the athleticism to run this offense and to do some things similar to what Jalen Hurts, uh, Jalen Hurts is doing here in Philadelphia. Outside of Michael Pittman Jr., I'm not really enamored with their with their wide receiving core or their yeah. tight end situation as well. Um, defensively, they're going to have one of the better defenses in the league. And when I say that, I mean like one of the top 12, 13 defenses in the league. They have a lot of good talent on that defense. I just don't see them, even though they're in. There's another team that's in a division where they could do some damage. I think I think Steichen's going to be a year away from turning that thing around. He's got to get Richardson up to speed. I think Minshew is just a temporary fix until the young kid is ready. And I think the kid will play enough. He might get in some wildcat formations, but he'll get in enough just to get acclimated to the NFL style of football. But it won't be until 2024 when Shane Steichen's team as a whole will really begin to try to make a push up the ladder in the AFC South. Yeah, in fairness to, to really, I mean, all three of these guys that we just went through, they they – they need some time. Like you better have, you better have a little bit of patience, even though we have no patience in this day and age, if yep, you're their, yep. their bosses, cause they they're taking over some reclamation projects, you know, for sure. Look, Derek, this is the one I have the least amount of confidence in. Um, Gannon in Arizona. I, I just, I don't like the quarterback. I don't like the personnel. I thought they had an okay draft, but I don't like a lot of what's going on there in the front office. I don't like the owner. I don't like the, the, there's always seems to be not, not quite Washington commander level stuff, but probably the next tier of stuff mm-hmm. suits, lawsuits and Bubba. Like there's a lot going on there. It does not bode well for him. And the fact that like, he didn't address certain things. Remember he didn't meet after the draft. Like, what are you doing, dude? Right. Right. Weird. Well, first of all, you have a quarterback that's alienated pe- people in the organization. Uh, and even a premier wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins says, Hey, this guy's got some growing to do. Um, the running back situation is decent. Wide receiver, they have Marquise Brown. He can stretch the field. They, brand, they add Zach Pascal for possession receiver. Rondell Moore is a good receiver for them as well. Zach Ertz, we know what Zach Ertz is. He's a good possession receiver. Right. Their offensive line is decent. They added Paris Johnson Jr. to shore up the left guard position. Um, you have DJ Humphreys playing a left tackle. Will Hernandez, um, to me, you know, he never really panned out with the Giants. And to me, he's just a journeyman. So they've got some question marks along that offensive line. Uh, defensively, you know, Buda Baker's still there, but for how long? Will he still be there? Isaiah Simmons, I like. Um, but he 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 didn't play up to expectation. I think this team is hurting on defense across the board. Um, Kazir White is now the middle linebacker for them. He's okay. We saw what he did yeah, here. solid. He's not you special. Know, no, he's yeah, not so. special. Yeah. And I think Jonathan Gannon walked into – a quagmire of a mess with Arizona and you know people there want to want to win they want they want they want a winning football team and I don't think this team is going to be anywhere near a winning football team coming out of the game starting quarterback probably is not even going to start the first few games for him as he continues his rehab and and after that you got Colt McCoy Clayton Toon and David David Blau to me uh, you know of the backups David Blau to me is more promising Colt McCoy has been in the league for over a decade. Uh, well, look, and 
Big Sills asks, am I off the, van, uh, the GAN wagon? Yes, I am. I am officially off, Dan. Big um, Sills, it took me a long time yes. to get him to see D-Gun's way of thinking. Yes. But I, I finally got to him. I sold it. And, and it went to a, what do you call it, a chop shop. And they just went, they just, they just crushed just the game. Just tore it down, yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm off. But, uh, and I always go back and forth on this. Like, I, there's so, there's only so many head coaching jobs and there's only so many opportunities that you're going to get. So part of me is like, look, if anybody offers one, grab it. And then there's another part of me that says, do you really want to set yourself up for failure with a losing franchise? Yeah. And the Cardinals to me are a losing franchise. So again, I'm, I'm kind of torn on that. Like, I don't know if I totally fault Gannon for taking it at the same time. I I don't think he's going to have success there. I just don't. You have 32 teams that have head coaches in the national football league. You have spent your entire career up to this point wanting to be a head coach. I don't care if you had to coach, get a head coaching job in Beirut if Beirut was in the National Football League. You take that opportunity, and that's what Jonathan Gannon did. Yeah. He took that opportunity. Now, as we look at it right now, we see more failure than success on the horizon. But if he is able to turn that thing around, it will bode well for him, whether he renegotiates with Arizona in a couple of years or if he decides he wants to go somewhere else. <clears throat> you don't, Those are opportunities you don't turn down, Rob. Yeah. Because you don't want to be assistant. Some guys like a, a Jeff Stoutland, they're okay. Yeah, he doesn't their, want their role yeah. in life. He doesn't yeah. want that headache yeah. of always having to meet with the media and being a front man when things go bad. Yep. But there are other guys, there are a lot of other guys who go from being position coaches, graduate assistant coaches, position coaches, coordinators, and head coaches, the next you know, natural step for you. And I don't blame Jonathan Gannon for taking that job in any way, shape, or form. Number one, he goes to Arizona, which to me is a, is a great place to live. You know, I love Arizona. Number two, you're finally one of 32 brethren head, as a head coach in the National Football League. And whether you succeed or fail at it, you've had that one shining moment in your life. And it could open the doors for something else, whether on the pro level or collegiate level as well. You take the you take that opportunity. You yeah. can't pass that up. I agree. Look, I agree. And, and again, I, I, I'm this is it's not a knock on him taking it. I think he's just gonna have a really tough time. Right. All right. right. Well, look, I saved the the last for I think the I think who's gonna be the best, and that's Sean Payton. Um, you know, we know the track record, we know the success that he had in New Orleans. He takes over a situation. Um, you know, in Denver, where defensively there's a lot of talent, offensively there's talent. It just wasn't harnessed properly in a lot of ways, and it, the, the key to this thing is just unlocking Russell Wilson and getting him back to mm-hmm. a facsimile of what he was. If there's anybody to do it, there's anybody that can do it. I think it's Sean Payton. I think Denver's a playoff team this year. What do you think? Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I I don't I think. Obviously, I don't think see anybody catching Kansas City in that division, but I do think Sean Payton's presence with the current talent that he has, he can easily overtake the Chargers and the Raiders in that division and put himself in a prime position to to get to the playoffs. Um, you're looking at Denver's defense, you know, and you said that Denver. Well, what, how did you word it? What did you say? Very good defense season? last year. And the okay. key is that for me offensively, it's just unlocking that potential or whatever that to just take Russell Wilson back to yesteryear or whatever. Yeah. That's what you got to do. See, here, here's a Denver defense that finished seventh in the league with all the mess they had with Nathaniel Hackett running the show. Yep. This defense still finished seventh in the league. 
Yeah. They only gave up 320 yards a game as a defense. They gave up 110 yards rushing. But the big one here, they only gave up 21 points a game. They were okay. leading the league, Derek, in points allowed, and they yes. were last in points scored for a lot yes. of the season. It, it, it kind yes. of flipped a little bit later, but still, they were no – the defense was doing its job. There's no question. The offense thoroughly let them down. They have a good offensive line, although I'm not a big fan of Mike McGlinchey. You know, now Mike McGlinchey is the right tackle in Denver. Yep. We'll see how long that, that holds up. That, that was He was but Barrett's I, favorite offensive line. Barrett's favorite <laughs> offensive line, yeah. So – but you look at everything else they have. My goodness, man, from Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, you know, Tim Patrick, um, Marvin Mims, KJ Hamler, um, the running back situations, you know, Samaj P. Ryan, Javante Williams. You know, what else what else could you want? What else could you want to walk into? Yeah. The the defense, the defense is set. The defense will hold its own. I mean, you got Patrick Sertain, you, you got Randy Gregory. Um, even Alex Singleton started for them in the defense. Yeah, I mean, he, you know he's going to be a volume tackler. That that's what you know about. Him. Yeah, that's you know. That, yeah, for so sure. you got you got yeah. everything you want there. Um, yeah. You just needed the right coach, and Sean Payton is the right coach uh, to to put to light the fire under this team. And I do believe a Sean Payton offense will bring out the best in Russell Wilson again. I do believe Russell Wilson will surpass four thousand yards passing and will throw for thirty touchdowns this yeah. season. Yeah, and, and uh, real quick, just to back to the point we were making before, Sills makes a good point. Look at look at uh, what Doug Peterson did in Jacksonville. Absolutely. True, no doubt, uh, no question. And back to the point we were also talking about, if you're a guy who passes, like, stay with Jacksonville for a minute. It, it, what we had heard was it was Byron Leftwich's job to lose if he wanted to lose. Yep. He chose not to take the job. He stays in Tampa. They have a bad year. He ends up getting let go by Tampa. Mm-hmm. And now he's – I don't think he's coaching anywhere. He's certainly not a head coach. No. Uh, so you just have to be careful turning things down. Um, some of it is trust in yourself that you can fix a bad situation too. Yes. So anyway, yeah, but but again, it kind of cuts both ways. But I agree with you. I, I Look, I think Sean Payton, the smartest thing that he did when he went to Denver was he put his foot down. And he said, look, Russell, I know yeah. who you are but we're not going to have this. This didn't work last year. We're not having your, your personal guy here. We have our coaches and you're going to have one locker like everybody else has. And you know, we're a team and we got to get back to that. And, and to Russell Wilson's credit, I didn't hear any kind of pushback and any reports of any of that. So maybe he realized it was kind of getting out of control too. So good for him. But I think Peyton play, this is what Nick nurse kind of needs to do with him. Derek mm-hmm. is get in here and mm-hmm. say, look, Joel, I got you, but you're going to be held accountable just like everybody else is. And, and just know that that's the way this is going to be. And hopefully, you know, Joel will respond well. I hope so. Um, but that's it. You know, that's it. A lot of times when coaches uh, go into new places, you have to kind of tiptoe in because you, you, you want the players to receive you with open arms and not look at your cross side. When you're Sean Payton, you go in blazing because of, because of your name. You know, this is my show now. This is how we're going to do things. If you don't feel you can comply with what I'm going to implement, tell me now. We'll find you a new home. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. And that's the way it should be with Nick Nurse. Look, Mm -hmm. I've won an NBA title. This team hasn't won a title since how long? 1983. 40 years. 1983. 40 years. So I'm asking you people to buy in and give me a chance. If you don't feel you can buy in, let's talk about it and see if we can move you. 
Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, let's find out now. We don't we don't need to find this out three quarters In of November, the way November, December. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff there. All right. Let's come back, Derek. Let's get a little preview of game one tonight between the Heat and the Nuggets. Uh, we'll get our series predictions. Uh, also, you had an interesting uh, factoid regarding start times, uh, which we, we yeah. will dive into. I want to throw this at you because perhaps the player of the year, not perhaps, he was the player of the year in college basketball, is coming back. Uh, and there, it may have something to do with the way things have changed in college sports. So we'll do that. We'll do birthdays. We'll do movies. We got a lot going. Uh, we'll hit it all when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about our friends at Razor Technology because data is everywhere in business today. But when it's locked away in silos, it can't be efficiently used. And businesses don't have time to wait for the insights that shape that decision making. Razor Technology's data management not only integrates data from wherever it's generated or collected, but provides a uniform structure for storing, interpreting, and distributing it to decision makers. Razor helps businesses transform and model their data, use it to populate real-time dashboards, and create shareable reports that highlight key areas of progress, as well as warning signs in need of attention. Smart data analytics and the tools to make data insights easily digestible help businesses of all sizes and types discover where they could be untapping significant savings. Razor technology can help you break down your silos and fully realize the value of your data to drive growth for your business. To learn more, contact Razor Technology today at 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. 
And if you join our Winter Watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. We're back. Thanks for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. Final segment of the program. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take. Gunner, did you see <laughs> You see Kelsey last night at the Union game? <laughs> did he, and I heard he broke something? They had – he almost broke the – they had him – they had him, like, bang the drum, which is one of their traditions that yeah. <laughs> before the game. And he's taking these like wham, like he is, and you know, you know how strong that dude is. So he like, I don't think it broke, but it looked like it might have been a little uh, fractured, if you will. <laughs> so after he does that, he pulls a beer out of his back pocket. He oh, chugs geez. the beer down. He spikes it, and he starts getting the crowd, and they're all going nuts, as you would expect. And it was it was classic Kelsey. It was just classic. Man. Great marketing. Oh. He's unbelievable. Man. He's like he's like America's guest, and I mean that in a good way. Like he is, he was down the shore this past weekend on the beach. Like I have friend, I'm friends with people on Facebook who are showing Jason Kelsey and my son having a popsicle. I'm like, okay, great. You know, you, you know what I love love about Kelsey the most is he doesn't separate himself from the people. No, he rolls his sleeves up and he gets right in there with him. He's just if you didn't know what Jason Kelsey did for a living, he'd be just like just one of the good old boys sitting there having a good time with you, man. And the fact that, and and the fact that, you know, let's face it, you got to be careful where you go nowadays because you always get these knuckleheads that drink too much and say something stupid, and they'll try to swing on somebody. Say, I got into a fight with an NFL player. Kelsey doesn't care, man. He goes out there and he enjoys. He enjoys himself, man. And I I love that about him. Yes, I do too. I do too. He he's a lot like Charles Barkley in that sense that that he's a man among the people. Like Barkley does not hide. He's not. Like no. Barkley will go to restaurants and 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 mingle and and is a people person and Kelsey's that way too and you just hope people respect their their space and the fact that they're willing to do that. Uh, so yeah, I hear you hundred uh, percent. Although although Barkley Barkley has to be careful where he goes in San Antonio. <laughs> that is correct. The, yeah, some of the population are not big fans of his with some of his comments. We'll just leave the it. Be the Uchi, the churros. <laughs> you said it, not me, my friend. All right. I didn't say who was eating the churros. Okay. Yes, you are correct. It had something to do with that. Yes. Um, uh, Brett Kern has retired, Derek, the the Eagles punter for about five minutes when Sippos got injured. If you remember from last year, right. came over from the Titans, was on the uh, was on the free agent market. They picked him up, and he is officially retired as a Titan today. So he is not an option for the Eagles. Um, didn't he play like 15 years or something in the league? Yeah, something really good like career. That. Really good career. It's time to go. He he, he gets it. Yep. You know, he made he's made decent kicker money. Mm-hmm. You know, here's another guy. You know, he's not he's 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 rich but not wealthy. You yeah. know, he's not like Tom Brady wealthy. 
Yeah. But he's still, if he's smart with his money, you know, and, you know, we were talking about the Eagles uh, kicking situation. And so I put out a feeler and I said, uh, will you look at Ariza? And they said, no, we have two guys in camp already. I said, please don't tell me you're going with Sippos again. And I heard, no, we got an undrafted rookie who's got a good leg we really like. So keep an eye on this undrafted rookie who may let you get your boy uh, Sippos a pink slip. Okay, I, I will be. I'll, I'll yeah. get his jersey, Derek. I'll, I'll, whatever, whatever number he's wearing. Who's, who's Sippos? No, Zetner or whatever. His name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be his biggest fan. Trust me. Oh um, man. All right. So Heat Nuggets tonight, game one, Derek. I mean, I haven't looked at the. Uh, I'm gonna pull it up right now as we mm. speak. I'm just seeing what the point spread is for this game one. Game one's in Denver. Okay, Nuggets are minus nine. Minus nine. Um, okay. All right. But you know what? It feels like we were saying that every game with the Heat. They were seven, seven and a half point favorites yeah, in game seven yeah. the other night, and they go in there and they crush Boston. I'm thinking close game, Denver wins. I think it's like a five, six point. I wouldn't touch that point spread, but I think Denver wins the game. Um, I I agree with you. Even though they've had this lengthy layoff, um, I think Miami is about to play a team that's unlike anything they've seen through the Eastern Conference in terms of a team that gets up and down the floor. I don't know if Miami has anybody that can stop Jokic. I really don't. Uh, it's going to be great to see Jokic and Jimmy Butler do their thing in the finals. Um, for for as much of a junkyard dog mentality, don't count us out mentality that the Miami Heat have, have, have had this season, I just think you're facing the creme de la creme in terms of the last two teams standing. And I expect it to be a good series. I think it'll be close. Miami, you know, has had a few days rest. And as the series wears on, it's going to be interesting because I keep hearing that Tyler Hero could be back by game three. And if that's the case, they could, they could use this outside shooting. For as, as, as well-versed as Miami's been in terms of hitting the outside shot, they could definitely use Tyler Hero back in the arsenal if he's ready to go against this Denver team. Yeah, and we haven't heard anything yet. Um, he was... I know he was warming up a lot before game seven right. and they thought maybe he'd be able to go in game seven. So he's, it feels like he's close. So we'll see. I mean, look, there's also the, um, there's the rust, excuse me, factor with Denver, but then again, there's the altitude factor that Miami's going to have to be dealing with. So, yes, you know, there, there's a lot of things that come into play, but you made a great point earlier. We were talking about this. Uh, it's the first time in 20 years that a finals yeah. game is tipped off before 9 p.m. Eastern. They get an 8.30 tip-off. Yes. Can you believe that? That's Think crazy. about how many times we used to complain about games ending close to midnight. Uh, on the East Coast, obviously, it's 9 o'clock on the West Coast. But um, I think with the time, they're, they're moving it up by a half hour, still caters to the, the mountain time zone because, you know, 8.30 here, 6.30 there. Mm. Um, and games end, end by – you know, eight thirty nine o'clock in, in mountain time instead of like 10, 11, 10, 11 o'clock. That's a big difference. Um, you know, because, but you know, even if they did start at nine o'clock, because it's the first time Denver's gotten this close to a championship, right? Man, fans will probably be there at one in the morning if they had to, right? Um, but yeah, I, I found it interesting that the NBA decided to move games up by a half hour, which, from my perspective, is much better for us. Oh. You're never going to hear me complain about them moving a game up to be earlier. That, that's for no. sure. I mean, well, you, you and I are going to be dealing with enough of late Eagle starts this year. Uh, that's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. So anyway, a good work out of the NBA. Yeah, keep them, keep them where they are. That's for sure. Um, 
Zach Eady. Now, if you, if you don't follow college hoops, you may not be all that familiar with him, but he was the player of the year at, at Purdue. Purdue ended up not going as far as people had anticipated. They were a one seed, but they got knocked out early. But um, he's a big – a lot of people thought he was going to come out this past year. He put his name in the, you know, in the draft, but also gave himself the option of coming back to Purdue right. uh, for, for the season. And to a lot of people's surprise, he's coming back, Derek. And there are there are folks out there that are that are attributing this to the NIL money that's available to these guys where they can make a, a very nice living playing college basketball. Uh, whereas before, either they weren't making anything or they're making something under the table, but it was nowhere near this kind of coin. So this could result in more kids coming back or staying a little bit longer than they normally would. Now, not everybody subscribes to that, but this this Zach Eady did. It's interesting. You know, I um I just when I looked at his game, I just thought that he excelled just because he was so much bigger than everybody yeah. else. Yeah. There was nothing that really stood out about him. You know, um n- n- not many moves to the bucket. Doesn't have a great jump shot. Maybe maybe those who advise him, "Hey, look man, you need to work on your game a little bit more. You got to get that extra season in because you can move up right. the ladder in terms of being a top 5 pick." I just thought that He's a big body who, who who's able to do some of the things he does because nobody hardly can match up with him in the Big Ten, yeah. you know. Um, but I, 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 but you're right now with with the money these kids can make in the NIL. Why not? It's less pressure to go back to get, to play college ball than it is in the NBA, mm-hmm. and you can still make a possibly high six seven figure income on side money before yeah. you even make the transition to the pros. Exactly. Why not? Why not go yeah. back? I hear you. I hear you. And that, that'll be, that's an interesting offshoot, you know, um, to, to what's going on these days in the college game. All right. Ready for a little birthday action. Activity? Birthday on this first day of June. There we go. Uh, let's go. Marilyn Monroe, 1926. Strong. Uh, strong. Oh, super yeah, strong. Sure. Like yeah, uh, Mount Rushmore kind of strong. Well, I ain't going that far. I'll just say strong. All right. I'll say real strong. We yeah. would both concur on that one. Um, <laughs> One of my all-time favorites. I talk about his movies all the time. I talk about one yeah. in particular, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's Absolutely. 86 today. Uh, you you won't find a bigger fan of Shawshank Redemption than me. Uh, it is. I agree. Is, I mean. I loved him in Along Came a Spider. He's great in that. I he's great in Seven. Seven. Oh, my goodness. Him him and uh, Brad Pitt and Seven. So good. It's such Dude, a good that, movie. That, that, that final scene out in the desert. Oof. Oh, my goodness. Oof. But there's a lot. I'll tell you an underrated, I think, or maybe, I don't know if it's underrated, but it doesn't get talked about enough. Lean on me. He's unbelievable yes. in that. Sam, Sam, you yeah. smoke crack, don't you? <laughs> they used to call me Crazy Joe. Now they call me Batman. Yes. Oh, my God. All right. So Morgan Freeman, just phenomenal. Um, Tom Holland, the young actor yeah. who played Spider-Man. He's, he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, he's he's good. He, he's, he's very good, man. He's His career's just building. He's going to be He's going to be massive, I think. Uh, British guy, but he's very, very good. He's 27 today. Uh, Andy Griffith. Yeah. Andy Griffith, man. Uh, you know, Mayberry. You know, we're walking along the, the pond That's right. in the creek. About to go That's fishing right. with Opie. Um, and he, he, he was so good in that role, man. He was just so good as the sheriff in the town. You know, he, he didn't play many other roles. That was his claim to fame. Yeah. And he played it so well. Good old country, country boy sheriff. Him and uh, Don Knotts, Barney oh, Fife. They were oh, perfect, dude, perfect compliment for each other. Yep. Yep. Right on. Uh, oh, Chris is right, by the way. So Morgan Freeman's career actually yeah. really started with the electric company 
back in the set early 70s ah uh, yes which was the show that came on at least in this area right after sesame street yes you're yep. so so correct good call chris that's it chris. you're right about that uh beyond that heidi klum is 50 strong, strong. yes still uh, strong still alanis morissette is 49 years yep. young today yeah Sarah Wayne uh, Callis uh, is 46 today. Good actress. Good actress. Yeah, Terry the Polo. Dead. Yeah, The Walking Dead. Uh, Terry Polo, who was in, among other things, like Meet the Falkers, Meet the Parents. She was the uh, she was Ben Stiller's wife in that series. Uh, she's good in it, 54 years old. You know, she's from Dover, Delaware. Did not know that. Okay. Yeah, from Dover. Right. Yeah. Uh, Nick Young, Swaggy P, former Sixer, longtime NBA player, is 38 yeah. years old today. Actor Powers Booth was born, yeah, uh, yeah 1948. I loved uh, him in Sin City and Deadwood. Very good. He's oh, very man. good. Very intense wow. uh, actor. Uh, Cleavon Little, who I thought was awesome in almost everything he was ever in, but Blazing Saddles was just Dude. ridiculous. Still one of my all-time favorite go-to movies. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Mongo. Him and Mongo. Mongo. <laughs> Mongo and the horse. Oh, my God. Oh, where do Dude. we start? When the first time I saw it, they punched the horse in the face and got that horse to drop like that. Yeah. Dude, classic. Would never be made today, but one of the all-timers, man. Mm. One of the all-timers. Um, Ronnie Wood, the great guitarist for the Stones, yep. is 76 years old today. Pat Boone, the, the old singer-actor, 89 years old today. Uh, Paula Malcolmson is 53. She played the wife on Ray Donovan. She mm -hmm. was very good in that. Edward Woodward, if he was a, a British stage actor in a lot of ways, but he also played the Equalizer in the TV show. Uh, if you remember back in the 80s, he yep. was very good in that. And, of course, the, the Denzel uh, movies are awesome, Equalizer. Um, Sophia Hublitz is 40, uh, 24 years old. Uh, she was in uh, Ozark. She was the daughter yep. in Ozark. Uh, Nikki Glaser, the, uh, the comedian is 39 years old today we Dude, actually you had talk her about foul mouth funny oh, she's, oh my goodness she's out there man Ooh. we had her we had her on breakfast on broad and the let's just say the higher-ups were very scared that she was going to say something inappropriate now she didn't to her credit she didn't but the man. the suits as they say derek were not uh yeah. were worried they mm. were worried we mm. got through it but i love nikki i think she's she's just raw and she doesn't care. She doesn't. There's not a lot of bleeps given with her. Um, all right. You got any other birthdays? Then we'll do movies. Oh, man. I got a whole list for you, brother. All right. Uh, we got Jonathan Price, uh, 76 years old, was uh, in Tomorrow Never Dies and Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Uh, Danielle Harris, who's in the Halloween movie series like, the you know, the Jason movies, uh, 46. Renee Arbergino played in Benson. You know, the old comedy series. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember he, him, yeah. Yeah, he was born on this day in 1940. Okay. Lisa Hartman Black, uh, Knott's Landing from 1982 to 1986. She's 67 a day. Yep. Do you know who Frank Morgan is? I don't. Frank Morgan, if you remember the original Wizard of Oz that came out in 1939. Yeah. He was the, the guy that played the wizard. You know, with the guy behind the curtain, the wizard behind the curtain. Oh, he okay, he was the wizard. Yes, he was a wizard. Now, here's the thing. He played six different roles in that movie. And now when I found that out, I'm thinking about it. That was him. Now, you, you've watched The Wizard of Oz many times, I'm a sure. A lot, a ton. Okay. Did you know he was Professor Marvel? Remember the guy, the driving the, the coach with the horse oh who my picked God. up Dorothy? He was yes. Professor Marvel. He was the gatekeeper at yeah, the, right. at, I remember at, at that. Emerald City. 
Yep. He was also the coachman. He was also the Emerald City guard who, who initially wouldn't let Dorothy and, and her contingent in. And wow, that's crazy. Uh, so they let, he played all of those roles. I didn't know. I never roles. knew that. And remember the scary face projection when you see it? Oh, he that played was that role. frightening. Yeah, he played that role also. He played six different roles. Yeah, that was the music. Yeah. He played six different roles there. Uh, he was born on this day in 1890. Oh, wow. Uh, Willow Shields from the Hunger Game movie series is 23 today. Yep. Sylvia Hoax, who was in Blade Runner 2049 and The Girl in the Spider Web, uh, is 40. Former NFL receiver Santana Moss is 44. Mm-hmm. Former NHL, NHL great Paul Coffey is 62. Yep. Carlos Zambrano, the pitcher, 42 years old today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Schiano, football coach. Greg oh, Schiano, yeah, 57. Yep, yep. Uh, Brigham Young, the founder of Brigham Young University, was born on this day in 1801. Mm. Uh, Pat Corley, who played in the old Murphy Brown and Hill Street Blues, is 93 today. Jeez. And Brian Colangelo, the former 76ers GM, is 57. Okay. Okay. Good yep. list. Good list. All right. Let's do some mer- uh, movies here. Uh, we will start with uh, Knocked Up from 2007. Yep. Funny movie. Funny. Uh, really good. Uh, Total Recall, 1990. Yep. Love that movie. Yep. Um, Moulin Rouge, 2001. Uh, Snow White Huntsman, 2012. I love that movie. Love it. V- very good movie. <clears throat> uh, 2005, Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. Uh, Asphalt Jungle. 1950, mm-hmm. one of the old school classics. Uh, what else you got, Derek? The last one I have is a movie called Adrift, which came out in 2018. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, that was, that was, that was a good one. There are a lot of good ones there. That's for sure. So, um, so here's what we have, Derek. Coming up tomorrow, we will run through the, the Phillies and the Mets. They're, the, the series finale is today. We'll go through that. Eagles continue their OTAs. Um, uh, one of the things Jordan Davis had to say was he feels like he's in a much better shape in terms of knowing the system, knowing yep. what's expected of him, and knowing what his role is going to be. So that's positive. Uh, we will rehash everything that Nick Nurse had to say at his introductory press conference, which is going to be at 3 o'clock. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll go over what went down in game one uh, of the uh, of the NBA finals. So we're, uh, we're looking forward to that too. Uh, according to multiple sources, it looks like it's a long shot for uh deandre hopkins to sign with the bills for whatever reason so somebody's putting that out uh, there can, can i give you some advice yes please D- don't watch the phillies game right now <laughs> don't turn it on uh, don't t- I- i'm gonna no, turn it take, on because- i was gonna take the dog for a walk i might be better off getting some air uh, I- i'm gonna turn the game on just because i'm gonna sit there and go rob ain't gonna like this oh, rob God. is not gonna like this yeah but i'm just telling you right now all right it's a nice warm day outside yeah, I'm taking See, the I'm dog. Still, yeah. I've still got laundry I have to fold it. I've got a bunch of towels and clothes I got to fold here. So I'm going to sit here on the couch in my bedroom and watch watch the game, <laughs> and you know, and and just basically go, yeah, Rob is going to be in rare mood tomorrow. We're going to end right. this week in rare mood with Rob tomorrow. So I'm taking the dog out. Then it's official. I saw um, a com- I saw a comment while we were talking that says Schwarber sucks, and as I looked down, um, the Mets had just scored another another run. So I don't know what Schwarber did or did not do. Um, so, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Oh God. All now, right. With that said, I know exactly what you're going to do. Soon as we say goodbye, you're going to turn the TV on and watch the rest of the game because it's only in the sixth inning. So I know I you're going to watch it. I can't help myself. I know. Uh, I know. I'm, a, I'm an addict. All right. I uh, you. 
Yeah, I know. I know you're looking out for me. Uh, all right. That'll do it for us. Want to thank everybody in the chat section, everybody streaming, everybody, everybody listening. We always appreciate you. Tell a friend, spread the word. Uh, That's right, Barbara you. Carroll. You and I got to watch the game. We have to. We mu- It's a must, Barbara. We yes, have Barbara. to watch the game. Uh, thanks to Tone to Shields. Tone, great job, man, producing the program. And we are back at it tomorrow. Don't go anywhere, by the way. You get the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. So everybody have a great rest of your Thursday. We will see you Friday, same time. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.